Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Good Wednesday morning to you, Kevin Bowen, Jay Quarry, and Mark Dykton. We'll get back in action tonight with the Indiana Hoosiers at 9 o'clock. The Indiana Pacers, their final game until the All-Star break. The All-Star break is never really the midway point of the season in the NBA. No. It, is it in, obviously in football it's after. In baseball, is it? I guess it's mid-summer, right? Yeah, baseball is probably a little bit of the back half. But the NBA tonight is game 60 of 82. For the Pacers, it will be the Chicago Bulls inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Uh, and then for several Pacers, it's off to Salt Lake City. Benedict Matherin, Andrew Nemhard in the Rising Stars game. Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald in the three-point contest. And, of course, Halliburton will then play in the All-Star game. Uh, and, obviously, a ton of Colts chatter on this Wednesday morning as Shane Steichen had his opening press conference yesterday. We'll give our thoughts. We'll take your thoughts as well. Uh, Jake, just overall, what did you think of the new head football coach of the Colts? Uh, I thought he came off very well, which is what I guess you want. But then again, if you look at press conferences of NFL head coaches and their hirings of the last five years, few were more awkward and uncomfortable than Nick Sirianni, who just got done coaching in a Super Bowl. Uh, Dan Campbell would be in that same category, and he's done a nice job in Detroit. There are other guys that win the press conference and then are a disaster. So that doesn't, by any stretch of the imagination, automatically predict exactly what it's going to be. But it's a good start, obviously. I thought he was humble with his emotion and his gratitude and thanking everybody that he's ever met, which I actually thought was cool. I was thinking about it as I was listening to it, and I was thinking, you know, if I was in that situation and I had the opportunity to be able to thank all the people that had helped me throughout my life, I mean, what a privilege that is, right? What an opportunity to give credit to people, which I appreciated. To me, I thought you asked the best question, in the, in the, and I'll let you elaborate on that in terms of calling plays. But while I am encouraged by it, while I think Colts fans should be encouraged by it, at the same time, and Chris Ballard said it, and then Shane Steichen himself said it. I thought the most key part of the press conference was when Shane Steichen thanked all of the players and quarterbacks in particular that he had coached over the last few years and then said, it comes down to the guys playing on the field. And that's the reality. That that almost, I realize he didn't mean that as a message to Chris Ballard, Kevin, but The Colts did a nice job, it would appear, in being very thorough and finding the right coach. But now they got to upgrade their roster. Yeah, You know, the last uh, Eagles player he mentioned was Jalen Hurts. I I found that kind of fitting. Of all the Eagles that he mentioned, he pretty much named their entire offense, you know, backup starters, And he almost like built up to it, right? Like last and not least. Yeah, Yeah. certainly. And got a bit emotional talking about Jalen Hurts. You know, I just a couple of overall thoughts I had, Jake. One, you know, the last time we were in a major press conference setting for the Colts, it was an, just an epic disaster. Uh, Jim Mercer wanted us to kiss his rings. Chris Ballard looked like Rosie Bowen when I tell her it's time it's, to share. Uh, it's one ring, right? 
Well, I, I think maybe a wild card participant ring. He okay. wanted us to kiss as well and some a few other rings. But I guess technically, yeah, one Super Bowl ring. Um, and, of course, Jeff Saturday was <laughs> was there. Um, I, I thought yesterday went much better for what it's worth. I don't you know, don't know how it could have gotten any worse. Um, and as far as Steichen, you know, I, I think you... I walked into that building yesterday, Jake, and thought to myself, what a whirlwind for Shane Steichen the last 36 hours. And I just think he was overcome with emotion with all of that. I mean, he goes from coaching in the biggest game of his life to then having the biggest professional moment of his life. Yesterday was probably the biggest room Shane Steichen has ever spoken in front of in terms of people. Right. And I think we forget that, right? Is that like coordinators? Not, you know, they're not used to being up there, right? Right. I mean, he's 37 years old. He's never been head coach at the college or NFL level um, at, at any level, I guess. And so I think he was just overcome with emotion, which was cool to see, in my opinion. You want to see someone that 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 cares. I thought as soon as we got to the Q&A part, though, that dude flipped into football coach. And the big question that I have with Shane Sykin is, what type of leader are you going to be? And how do you balance and delegate the responsibilities that come with being a head coach? And if you want to talk about him as a leader, and not to get too, like you know, therapisty with it, Jake, but he is a smart dude that doesn't need to say a lot of words to sound smart. Like he doesn't talk well, just to talk. Sounds like this program, right, Mark? <laughs> On occasion. <laughs> he is not one that's like Okay, ask me a question and let me speak for three minutes and 30 seconds on it. And at some point, I'll sound smart and you'll hopefully tune me out. And by the end of the question, you'll just be like, oh, yeah, that guy said a lot, so he must be smart. Right. He is a direct, concise communicator. And it's very clear he speaks with conviction. And I think that is an important quality to have in a leader, particularly in a football leader. And I think that will resonate well. And it's why I think you saw A.J. Brown and Miles Sanders tweet out yesterday about Shane Steichen getting this opportunity. It's why Jalen Hurts has been very public in his complimentary words about Shane Steichen. I do think from a leadership standpoint, this is a guy that is not going to talk just to talk. He does not waste words. And his answers might not be the longest answers that we would love in terms of a media standpoint, but no one really cares about that. At the end of the day, it's how effective are you with those guys in the locker room and I do get the sense, based off his intelligence, based off his conviction, that I think that is an element that he will bring to the table that will resonate well with an NFL locker room. You know, one of the things that I found interesting, because it seems to me to be a shift from the previous school of thought, and you tell me if I'm overthinking this, Kevin, which I am certainly guilty of doing. By the way, good morning to everybody. It is a Wednesday, right? And it's going to be a gorgeous day today. It's supposed to be 60 degrees, sunny later today. Should we golf? Very breezy out. Well, you, I don't golf, but well, I miniature golf I like. Uh, but today's golfing weather, right? Yeah, I just the only thing I worry about is a little wind. and Well, it might be a challenge off the tee for sure because it is, uh, it's already windy outside. It's supposed to be throughout the course of the day, but it's a good-looking Wednesday. We still haven't talked about Tiger yet this week and his return. Do you want to save that? For, I, was, I thought we might lead off the show. I thought we were going to go Tiger Woods and Mike Bray to lead we'll, off the we'll show We'll do today. what they call tabling that. How's that? Is that a tease? That's right. Um, but I thought it was interesting that Shane Steichen said, and I'm paraphrasing here, Fierce. I'm not going to get the Fierce words cat there, Mark. the same, but um, 
you know, we're going to throw to score and we're going to run to win the game. Mm. The way that that, it seems to me, run to win the game. Now, Kevin, the way I interpreted that. I like that comment. The way I interpreted that was we are going to be aggressive and we're going to be high flying. And then once the game is in the bag, then we're going to salt clock by running the football. That was a very modern comment. By Correct. Shane Steichen. Correct. And doing it on a podium with older school thought process on either side of him. I think an element to Shane Steichen that also kind of stands out to me, Jake, is think about how he got his start in the NFL. You know, he earned an immense amount of respect from Norv Turner, who, again, Norv Turner's son and Shane Steichen were teammates at UNLV. Norv Turner hired Shane Steichen to be a defensive assistant. This is Shane Steichen, quarterback at UNLV. He hires him to be a defensive assistant for his first job in the NFL. So clearly he makes some sort of intelligence impression on North Turner. And then Phillip Rivers, he earned his trust very early on in that relationship. Phillip Rivers and North Turner strike me as a couple of old-school thinkers, old-school individuals when it comes to the NFL. So... You know, he has that, Shane Second has that element to him of clearly he makes strong impressions on, you know, NFL lifers, for lack of a better term. But then, Jake, I hear him yesterday, and so much of what he said was just a very modern what is necessary in today's NFL and why it's been so critical and why it's been so helpful for the likes of Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts in particular of why they have had. Great success. You know, you, you, you point out that, that that comment. I think it was a great comment that he made yesterday about throwing to score and running to win. You know, when he was asked specifically about what he what he did to help Justin Herbert have early success and the same with Jalen Hurts, and he basically said, when you draft these quarterbacks, one of the first things you need to do is you need to watch their college film. You need to see what they did well in college, and you need to take elements of that and put it into your own system. You do not need to say, hey, we run the wing T here, right. and you need to come run the wing T because the Indianapolis Colts have run the wing T for the last 35 years. Well, I would love to see the wing T, by the way. But that, of course, is not happening. Those are elements to his background and why I think there's a lot of reason to be excited and curious about this hire. He's obviously going to have to answer questions. He will call the plays. Um, how he delegates that and how he handles all those responsibilities, I think will be a huge element um, to his tenure here. But again, as a communicator, I was I, I was pretty impressed by how he was able to handle that room in what was clearly a very emotional moment for him and totally understandably. Um, we will have Rick Venturi, by the way, on tomorrow to chat more about this. Shane Sykin going to join us at the Combine. Is that right, Mark? That's what I've been told, yeah. So we're going to have a sit-down. Hopefully some more coaching staff uh, decisions have been made by then, so we should have a lot to discuss. In the building yesterday, among others, Gus Bradley, Bubba Ventrone. I saw a lot of the defensive staff members. Shane Steichen did not commit to any hires or any retentions of that. I, I'm sure there's a bit of a logistical process that he obviously wants to go through. Um, so we'll see how all of that plays out. But I don't think Gus Bradley and Bubba Ventrone show up to a press conference if they know they're going to be canned here in the next day or two. As far as players, I saw Michael Pittman. I saw Quentin Nelson. I saw Bernard Ryman. Um, I think those are the notable ones. Taekwon Lewis, free agent Taekwon Lewis. So 
Um, yeah, it did have kind of, of the pep rally feel. You, you'd said that earlier. That's a good way of saying it. Yeah, right? which again, you know, pretty much all these introductory press conferences have that sort of feel to it. Um, and then I guess, Jake, we can maybe get into a little bit later. Uh, Jim Mercer seen, seeming to be a fan of one of the quarterbacks that will be in this year's draft. Yeah, he made no bo- – let me ask you this. Has um, I guess at this point it, there's no – you know, it used to be – I'm old school, right? And it used to be that like mentioning players before like a certain amount of time was considered like tampering or – I mean, obviously that's not the case now, but he – Jim Mercer kind of maybe tipped his hand. May, I don't know, maybe – I would say that maybe he's playing poker, but then again, I, I think Jim Mercer just kind of speaks from the heart. I would and, tend to agree with that. I cannot yeah. imagine Jim Mercer, Shane Steichen, and Chris Ballard huddled up in the indoor facility before the start of the press and, and Jim saying, hey, brothers, watch this smoke <laughs> now, screen I'm about to drop on now, him. Let me, let me ask you this Chris, question, give though. me a wink. Did, am I the only one? I would like to know this, and people can feel free to either tweet me, which is at Jake Query, J-A-K-E-Q-U-E-R-Y, or you can always text me your thoughts at 317-523-9288. I'd like to know, actually, if you're up at 713 in the morning, truth be told. Good morning to you, but 317-523-9288, which is my cell. Am I the only one that at the beginning of that press conference thought, oh, good Lord, Surely Ursay's not going to talk for 30 minutes here. Well, I thought, yes, I, I'm thinking to myself, okay, 12.15, this presser was It was a little over six start. and a half minutes. I'm thinking to myself, okay, we're probably going from 12.15 to 1. You know, isn't the thought that you start at 12.15 so your news stations can break into that for the 12 o'clock news? Yeah. I think that's probably some of the thought with that. I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, he's going to go to 1. And Jake, I'm not sure if he's ever going to mention Shane Steichen. I think he might just talk about Jeff Saturday for... All 45 minutes here. You, you ain't kidding, man. We will play the Jeff Saturday clip from, was that a lake in Georgia? From pontoon boat, it looked like. Yeah. Um, I thought a very classy message from from Jeff Saturday. Yeah, it was cool. Yesterday, so we will mention that. Uh, but a whole lot to get to. And again, we want to hear your thoughts, whether it's at KBowen1070, at Jake Query on Twitter, Three one seven two three nine ten seventy. We'll have Stephen Holder on at eight o'clock to get his thoughts. And is it Anthony Gargano? I believe so. I'm going to clarify. It's either Gargano or Gargano. So we'll we'll find out. He's going to join us from uh, the Fanatic in Philly, their radio station. Uh, I'm sure much higher than us in the major market rate rating. So it'll be good to maybe get some intel. You compare on notes. What, we can find out on what we need to do to grow. Um, get his thoughts on Shane Sykin. And did you see Nick Sirianni lost his other coordinator yesterday? I did. So, Philly, it, this is what happens when you go to the Super Bowl, right? How about this? The 2020 Colts had four NFL head coaches on their roster. Frank Reich, obviously with Carolina right now. Matt Eberflus in Chicago. Nick Sirianni in Philly. And Jonathan Gannon, who is a defensive backs coach here in Indianapolis, Joined in 2018. Um, he is now the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Gannon, to me, is very Sirianni-like in personality. And I don't think Eber, I think Eberflus and Reich are a tad more similar. Uh, Gannon, to me, is big-time Sirianni energy there. So that concludes the NFL hiring cycle. 
The five openings filled as followed. Carolina with Frank Reich. Denver, Sean Payton. Houston gets D'Amico Ryans. And then the two Philly guys, the Colts get Shane Steichen. Arizona gets Jonathan Gannon. Jake, if you want to break that down, two retreads, three young guys, three offensive coaches, two defense. D'Amico Ryans, the only minority hire of the five openings this cycle. Do you think... Here's an odd question, but I just thought of this. Are the the Colts, when they won the Super Bowl, they only had one assistant on their staff that went on to later become a head coach, I believe, right? Leslie Frazier? And it wasn't immediately following. Yeah, I guess technically Caldwell, right? Oh, yeah, I guess Caldwell, yeah, because he... But it wasn't immediately following either. Like no, Leslie Frazier was what a couple of years later in Minnesota. That ha- are the Colts the last? This is I mean I, I'm saying this rhetorically. I'm not legitimately asking us to look it up. But are they the last Super Bowl champion who did not have either one of their coordinators immediately start interviewing for head coaching jobs? I mean Ron Meeks and Tom Moore. I don't remember either one of them interviewing anywhere. Right? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I don't know if I want to look that up though. Yeah, that would take a while, but. But my point being, typically when you win the Super Bowl, that is kind of what happens. Or not win or go to. I mean, in Philly's case, go to. But, you know, they've done – doesn't it just feel – you know, the one thing about Philadelphia, and Shane Steichen, I think, is responsible for this as well. And we can talk to Anthony about this in the 9 o'clock hour. I'm not saying it's what they necessarily even deep down in the the absolute depths and roots of themselves believe. But publicly so, Kevin, I have seen a number of Philadelphia Eagles that have been interviewed on television programs or national shows or to the newspapers or whatever else since the Super Bowl. And I have not seen any of them blame anybody other than the Philadelphia Eagles. Every interview that I've seen, the players are like, hey, it's on us. We should have executed better. The field was slippery for both teams. That was a penalty, and they called it the right way. I I have not seen any finger-pointing, any blame, any deflection at all. I've seen nothing but 100% upfront maturity and accountability from the Philadelphia Eagles. And maybe that's ownership. Maybe that's Nick Sirianni, but maybe it's Shane Steichen as well. Maybe it's all the way down through, and that I like to see. Yeah, obviously James Bradbury kind of set the tone with that in his postgame comments about the holding penalty, and I thought Sirianni did. You know, I think it's easy in that immediate aftermath when you are so emotional to not take that sort of stand, and maybe when you get a couple of days away from it, you know, hindsight can be a little bit more twenty twenty on that front. Um, we'll talk with Stephen Holder about this coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, but Jim Irsay did mention a couple of other names as far as candidates that they did like. He mentioned the name Raheem Morris. He mentioned Rich Bisaccia, and he mentioned Aaron Glenn. I know Stephen has got a couple of others on the list, uh, but I guess if you're looking for runner-ups or people that they also liked, those are a few to keep in mind. It sounded like pretty much <clears throat> this became a done deal or the Colts moved Shane Sykin to number one on their list a week ago, Friday into Saturday. So just before the Eagles left to go to Arizona for the Super Bowl, Jim Irsay 
flew to Philadelphia, sat down with Shane Steichen on that Friday. Um, was very impressed by the in-person impression that Shane Steichen left on him. In particular, he, he mentioned kind of a very fast mind. So I think that intellect, the Philip Rivers comments that we've heard quite often, really stood out to Jim. And then the very next day, Chris Ballard and some of his staff members then also met with Shane Steichen, and they were uh, certainly pretty struck by his presence as well. And that was the final of the second interviews. So did that help Shane Steichen? You know, final impression? Maybe that was advantageous to his candidacy. But after that, um, I think that's what moved Shane Steichen up to number one on the Colts list. Several people asked me, Kevin, and I think in the end, once the the body of or you know the the column came out, we kind of understood why. But several people did ask me, uh, who was the one that asked the question about Shane Steichen crying? That was Doyle, right? Yes, uh huh. Certainly, Greg Doyle. Um, for any of those that watch any press conference involving Greg Doyle, you will see a very unique. Uh, I would call it outside-of-the-box style to asking questions. Um, Certainly not my style, but at the end of the day, I've kind of always felt this. If you get the answer you're looking for, that's really kind of your goal when you wear a credential and you're in a press conference setting. Again, it was a bit of an awkward one, but that's how Greg rolls. This, This from Colin. Uh, Jake, my first thought once Ursay started talking was Shane Steichen had to be sitting there thinking, is this guy introducing me today or tomorrow? Well, well again, <laughs> at first I think he thought, is Jeff Saturday the head coach and I'm here to be the play caller? And he went on about Saturday for like four minutes. I'm like, oh my gosh. I, I'm like, do you see Shane Steichen's daughter right now? She's already run up on stage, tried to run up on stage three times. If you keep on talking, this might happen 30 times. Oh, this is awkward. By the end. Of the press conference. Jamie goes, there was a comment by Ballard indicating Steichen and Ballard have a similar philosophy. Does that validate Ballard's roster building? Should I be concerned? Uh, Boy, that would not be a good thing. Um, I did hear that comment as well. I'm not going to read a ton into it. Again, I think Shane Steichen brings a very modern approach to a building that needs some of that. That's a very good way of saying it. Some of it, particularly in the roster building side of it. And Jake, when he rattled off those Eagles players and he mentioned Dallas Goddard and Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown, those those are dudes. Colts don't have them. Michael Pittman was in the building yesterday, and I guess Jonathan Taylor, and that's about it. So, and obviously those two, well, Taylor to the side, Pittman is not at the level of those other Philly wideouts, but I think Shane Steichen will be more willing to challenge Chris Ballard's roster building, whereas I thought Frank Reich fell too often on the I'm content with what we're doing. Uh, By the way, the downtown firehouse listened to us this morning. Good morning. Nice. Guys and gals. Thank you. Thank you. uh, Absolutely, indeed. Uh, Brian and Brownsburg, Thomas, Nick, Joel, Mike in Rhode Island, Jamie, Colin, my buddies Bruce and Alex, good morning to everybody. Appreciate you tuning in on a Wednesday. A lot to get to Wednesday. this morning. It is a balmy Wednesday. We're going to be golfing later. At least Kevin is. I'm not. <laughs> I wish. Uh, Stephen Holder, as we mentioned, 8 o'clock. We'll go out to Philly at 9 o'clock. Get you caught up on what happened over the course of the morning when we come back on the other side. It's Kevin and Query here, 93.5, The Fan. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Actually, we will begin with college basketball. 
Ball State last night, 10-point win at home over Northern Illinois. Michael chirp, Lewis's chirp. group now 19-7, and 10-3 in league play. They have a six-game win streak. Peyton Sparks with 20 and 16 boards. Jerron Coleman, Demarius Jacobs, 17 points each, 87-77 last night. It was Southern Illinois over Valpo, 66-62. Villanova, 62-50 over Butler. Thad Mata's group now 13-14 and 14 overall, 5-11 and 11 in the Big East. That's a three-game win streak, by the way, for Villanova. And Kevin, you can go ahead and mute me real quick here. Uh, mm. Duke 68-64 over Notre twice. Dame. Irish now 10-16 and 16 overall. They are 2-13. and 13. It's biding their time. Just had a chance late. Yeah, Don't know see. why we didn't foul to extend the game. I'm yelling at Mike Bray. Coach K's in the building. Coach K and we talked about it yesterday, Jake. Teddy Valentine calling the game last really? night. Really? Gave Notre Dame a couple nice whistles on the road. Uh, they had Good a chance day. late. Could not that, that Butler game was a little closer than that final score indicated. I watched the second half of that one, but uh, 5 of 23 from behind the arc. Not going to get it done. Uh, tonight, inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse, it's the final game of the first half, which is more like three-fourths of the way through the season for the Pacers. They've got the Chicago Bulls. No DeMar DeRozan, so that's good news on that front. Miles Turner is questionable. Again, he missed Monday night with the lower back soreness. Sounds like Daniel Tice is a little iffy with a thumb sprain, so it could be a lot of Isaiah Jackson. Uh, I would say Gogo, but he's gone now. I guess Jalen Smith would maybe be the other one that could get in the game. Uh, Pacers are favored, and I think I need this one. I think you'll uh, you get that. I think you'll get this one, too. Now, is that cynical Chicago fan? No, no. The Bulls stink. Bulls have lost four in a row, all by at least eight points. Uh, last night in the association, by the way, it was the Bucks 131-125 over the Boston Celtics. 11-game win streak now for Milwaukee. Drew Holiday had 40, Giannis with 34 and 13. Phoenix over Sacramento. Toronto over the Magic. The Clippers 134-124 over Golden State. Kawhi Leonard with 33 in that game. And the Washington Wizards, who is... Probably, or are, I should say, the least talked about team in the NBA. 126-101 over Portland. My dad always says, Drew Holiday married to his favorite student of all time at Ben Davis. Really? Lauren One Chaney? Lauren Chaney. Um, all right, Shane Sykin, his opening press conference from yesterday. We'll get a lot into that coming up. We did want to play this clip from Shane yesterday. Obviously, pretty emotional early on, but when it got to the Q&A part, very direct. And he did not hesitate in... Um, you're making a stance, I guess, on calling plays or not. Yeah, uh, I will call the place here. Um, it, 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 uh, obviously, the, the, the offense is going to be dictated on who's playing quarterback. That's how you build the system. What does he do well? What is their strengths? But not only just the quarterback, it's the players, too. Uh, what does Pittman run well, receiver-wise? You know, the tight ends, the backs, Jonathan Taylor, the offensive line, what do they do well? Uh, we want to do a hell of a job of trying to put our guys in position to make plays. So again, Shane Steichen will call the plays here. He did that in Philadelphia, did it for a little bit with the Chargers as well. We'll take your thoughts coming up next. 317-239-1070. Again, on Twitter, at KateBowen1070, at JakeQuarry as well. What did you think of the opening press conference? And just the hire in general of Shane Steichen as the youngest head coach in Indianapolis Colts history. We'll do that next here on Kevin and Corey. 20 minutes. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Before the hour of 8 o'clock, good morning to you. Want to say good morning also to everybody who is on the YouTube streaming chat right now asking what hat I'm wearing. That is the Shelbyville Golden Bears, by the way. The Shelbyville Golden Bears. I'm glad to hear we're streaming back normal. That is right. Thank, thank you. You guys look good today. And we do appreciate everybody's loyalty, by the way, in uh, sticking by that and writing it out. So the Colts now have their new head coach, Shane Sykin, yesterday officially introduced. That is something that I think that we all knew for a few days was uh, seemingly going to happen. But the question is this. It was a very expansive search, and we want your thoughts on what you think, 239-1070, of this hire or your initial impressions. But it was a very uh, you know, wide net that was cast by Chris Ballard and Jim Irsay. There were a number of interviews that took place. So the biggest question I think a lot of you have, let's go back to it, is in the outset of this. When Shane Steichen was just one of many coaches who had applied and or been interviewed by the Indianapolis Colts, what exactly was it that separated him and put him in the forefront to Chris Ballard and Jim Mersey? Here is the new Colts head coach on his approach to the interview itself and the vision that he had for this job. Well, I think the the process they went through uh, in the interview process was extremely detailed, um, and obviously they interviewed a lot of candidates, and I spent many, many hours with them over a Zoom, and then them coming to Philadelphia. Uh, they did an unbelievable job going through that process, and really my vision that I shared with them, um, I want to build this thing on four pillars. Our culture is going to be built on four pillars, and one's going to be character. Character is very important to me. We want to treat people with respect, and we want to feed the positive, and weed out the negative. And number two is the preparation. I truly believe this. The separation in this league is in the preparation. How we prepare as a football team and an organization Monday through Saturday will ultimately dictate the outcome of a football game. Now, is it going to guarantee us a victory? No. But it's going to give us a fighting chance, I promise you that. And number three is consistency. we got to be consistent. And it starts with us as coaches being consistent with our message to the players and tell them exactly how we want it to look and how we want it to be done. And number four is relentless. We got to be relentless in our pursuit to be the best. The best players, the best coaches I've been around are obsessed with their craft. And that's what we want to build here. And that's what we want to get done. You know, typically in a opening press conference like that, you know, some coach is going to lay out pillars. And, you know, the preparation one, clearly he was very adamant about Monday through Saturday. And I think when you watch the Philadelphia Eagles, and particularly you watch them offensively, I do feel like they're able to create an advantage for themselves in that area. You know, I think the other big question that I had for Shane yesterday was, you know, what did you learn from Nick Sirianni as a first-time head coach? Um, Because I do think there are similarities. You know, I've talked with people on the Chargers staff with Shane Steichen, and very passionate, I think, would be the biggest similarity between Steichen and Sirianni. You know, at times, Sirianni probably is a little bit, like, overly emotional, some would say. Um, I, I think Steichen might be just a little bit scaled back in that realm, but you know, someone that coached with Steichen with the Chargers said to me yesterday, or I guess earlier in the week, 
it is a great hire, but in particular, it's a great hire because they're so desperate at quarterback. Like, that is just the cherry on top. And Chris Boward called it an added bonus yesterday. I, I would go a couple steps further um, because, Jake, as we've laid out so often here, the AFC just calls for this right now. You are in a – if the AFC is a market, you've got to keep pace in the market. And right now, you are way behind the pace. I mean, right. you, you aren't You're even right. – you look ahead, and they are light years ahead of you, the rest of the conference, in how they've approached – the quarterback position in particular. And this, to me, is a step in trying to get a little bit closer to that pace. Um, I know we'll play the quarterback clip a little bit later that Jim Mersey mentioned. I, I truly believe this. I think Shane Steichen will be very open-minded to the quarterback group in 2023. I don't think he will be, we have to have this style. Sure, he's going to have a favorite at some point, but I don't think you're going to get some, yeah, this is the guy that I watch. This is the guy that fits our system. If you look at what they ran with Phillip Rivers, you look at what they ran with Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, all of it, um, very different. Very different. Yeah, that's the thing. The the three quarterbacks with which he is most connected, he had Phillip Rivers essentially, you know, Phillip Rivers was a a non-mobile, but a quick release, laser passer, really good vision quarterback. Justin Herbert, Arm strength can throw the ball into tight windows, but but throw it past double coverage. Obviously a mobile guy, but but across his body, etc. And then Jalen Hurts, as we know, I wouldn't say that Philadelphia necessarily relied on Jalen Hurts opening things up with his legs and then going to the air, but they took advantage of his mobility and his ability to to pull the ball down and run with it. And to your point, Kevin, I mean, I'm kind of repeating what you're saying here, but I think that gives the Colts, whether it would be Will Levis or C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, even Richardson out of Florida, I think it gives the Colts some flexibility of if the it, we don't have to narrow and hone in on one specific quarterback style here, right? Like, you kind of have three different players or four different players there. This is a guy that seems to have a versatility and an open-mindedness about who he's working with. I mean, to steal a phrase from Chris Ballard, Jake, Shane Steichen's not going to walk into this process over the next two months and have an end in sight. Right. He will be open-minded, and his resume is open-minded. Obviously, he's going to have particular things he's looking for, but he will be open-minded on that. One question I wanted to ask Shane yesterday was about, again, Nick Sirianni and what he learned from a first-time, a young first-time head coach in Philadelphia. Um, Here was Shane yesterday on the biggest thing he learned from Nick Sirianni. Nick did an unbelievable job uh, of holding guys accountable. And I know the players that were here with him, I know they saw that, uh, and he carried that over to Philadelphia. And uh, he never let anything slide. And I think as a head football coach, you got to hold people hold people accountable. And uh, if something ain't right, something needs to be said. And as player to player, coach to coach, coach to player, like we got to make sure we're all on the same page and rolling. And he did a hell of a job doing that. I would think that makes Chris Bauer, Jim Mercy, a bit excited. I mean, you could see it with Philadelphia – as I mentioned at the top of the show, when you look at the Eagles players, I, I, I saw yesterday a post that had screen grabs of like eight different interviews where Philadelphia players were on national shows or local shows like ours in Philadelphia. I, I have yet to hear them say, you know, the, the turf was so slick or 
the officials really had untimely calls or we weren't anticipating the way they were calling the game at the line. None of that. Everything I've seen from Philadelphia was, hey, you know what? We, we should have played better. We There's no excuse for us losing that lead. We the, the, the field was slick on both sides. I mean, total accountability. And again, that comment right there, I knowing Nick Sirianni a bit, that doesn't shock me that that was Shane Steichen's biggest takeaway. But it also, I think, is so important for the Colts to hear that, believe in that, in making Shane Steichen the hire because we can all look at his quarterback resume. We can all see, oh, Justin or Phillip Rivers made these Pro Bowls with him as his position coach. And Justin Herbert was the offensive rookie of the year with Shane Steichen as the OC. And, you know, Jalen Hurts was an injury away from being the MVP this season with Shane Steichen calling the plays. We all can see that, but it's the behind the scenes, it's the accountability stuff that, again, was something that, you know, the Colts really felt like Jeff Saturday changed the tune on here. And that was really important to maintain that. And I do think that part of Steichen's leadership is going to be critically, critically important. Um, to me, walking away from that press conference, I liked a lot of what I heard. I like a lot, a lot of how it sounded. As I said earlier, I think he's a guy that doesn't waste words. I think he's very direct with his communication. I think those are all important aspects to being a leader, especially a leader of a football team. My biggest question will just be, how does he delegate? Because he is going to call plays. That's it, Kevin. That's the one area. Let, let's go to the elephant in the room here. It's got to be of concern, right? It, th- that is a big question. Frank, I have. Frank Reich admitted. Somebody pointed this out to me on text, but it's it's an excellent point. Frank Reich admitted at times, not all the time, and I can't think of a specific. You would know better than I because I don't know. You, you seem to remember the nuances of games game in, game out, better than I. But I recall Frank Reich admitting on a couple of occasions, like late in games with a timeout situation or certain things where he admitted to erring and not having like total clarity of thought and getting kind of lost in, as I call it, the arrows that are slinging past. And I think that's sometimes because he was focused, like he had admitted to Jeff Saturday. I think it was in... It might have been the Pittsburgh game. There was one of them where Jeff Saturday admitted to me, like, hey, listen, like, I, I'm i sitting there, you know, hoping that we've got the next play called up before before I burn a timeout. Yeah, I, th- looking I, up, I think it was Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, you know, these are guys, Saturday is a better indicator of, obviously, Shane Steichen because of the fact of the inexperience. But Frank Reich had been doing it for five years. And even Frank Reich admitted there were times where, the intricacies of the moment got lost because he was calling the plays. That's a five-year veteran. So what about a first-year head coach that now suddenly is putting that on his plate? Is he biting off more than he can chew right out of the box? I think a hire that I would make if I'm Shane Steichen is someone you have an incredible amount of trust in that is in the booth for you on game day. And Jake, he is in my ear yelling at me, we have to take a timeout after this play's Correct. over. We, we have to challenge this call. Let's think about this. We have a minute 27 on the clock. We've got two timeouts. Ideally, we want to snap the ball with 15 on the play clock. These games are way too close in the NFL. Parity defines the league. And if you watch Philadelphia, <laughs> there were moments the other night, I thought it was total Nick Sirianni. There were moments the other night where the Eagles were on, if you're watching your your television set, the Eagles sideline would have been on the bottom part of the TV. So you can't really see any part of the sideline. 
But Nick Sirianni would literally be like three or four yards out on the field as soon as the previous play was over, making sure that official saw him to take a timeout. Now again, Nick Sirianni decided to stop calling plays midway through his first year as the Eagles head coach. Passed it off to Shane Steichen. You watch Philadelphia, they are terrific situationally. They're on top of so much of that stuff, and I think it's something that Nick really prides himself in, of being that manager over the course of a 60-minute game. I don't know Shane Steichen. Talked to some people about him. Obviously saw the press conference yesterday. A question that I had about Sirianni, Jake, when he took the Philadelphia job was, I'm afraid that too much will be on his plate. Especially when I heard he was going to call plays. Right. Well, midway through his first season, he said too much was on his plate. And he passed some of that off. My initial impression of Steichen is maybe he is able to handle a little bit more of that. Again, until you get in the fire, you got no idea how you're going to handle that. And obviously, you have an Andy Reid. You have a Sean McVay. There are coaches around the league that certainly call plays. But if you're going to do that, you need someone in the booth that you trust without question, that you don't question them on the headset because you can't afford to make those mistakes when time is so precious. That is a must for me for Shane Steichen in filling out this coaching Do you believe, and I know that we've, today is a day to talk about the fact the Colts have a new head coach. I get it. But my question for you, Kevin Bowen, do you believe that this, and this is going to sound I don't mean this as a disrespect to Jeff Saturday at all, but for lack of a better phrase, does this officially turn the page forever on Jeff Saturday? Is is Jeff Saturday now, I, I don't want to say passe, because he is a beloved member of the franchise. He's in the ring of honor. He was a great player. He's obviously a great guy. He's been a friend of this program. But is Jeff Saturday now like yesterday's news to the Colts itself, or is he still a name that carries resonance and weight within the franchise? Do you ask that in saying like do you do I think he can get a job both within the organization? Both. I, I I would like to think the further we get removed from the Jeff Saturday era, we can have an, the appreciation we had back in October of what he means to this franchise, and, and I think we can all get there. I mean, I think you can put the two month interim stint to the side and have the deserved appreciation that should come with Jeff Saturday and what he's done for the Colts. Given that Jim Irsay seemingly took a bit of a backseat and let Chris Ballard run this show, I, I don't think we'll see Jeff Saturday involved with the organization here in the next X amount of years. I think it'd be very awkward for Shane Steichen and Chris Ballard. I don't think they would want it, and I don't think they need that. I, I, what would Saturday's role be? He doesn't want to be a position coach by all accounts. He has no history with personnel. I don't understand where why you would make that sort of hire. I just think it'd be awkward. Too many cooks in the kitchen, um, th- that sort of thing. Um, it was a question that you know I, I would have liked to have asked Jim Mercer yesterday. You know, you've been in many of those press conference settings, Jake. You know that first off, you can't get all of your questions in right during that period. I also felt like in a pep rally type setting, we're there to probably get to know Shane Steichen more than anything. You know, we'll have a couple of other chances to Correct. talk to Jim Time Ursay. and place, right? Yeah, th- this offseason, it's not like we got Ursay or Ballard off to the side. You know, that would have been a little bit more of a one-on, you know, one-on-one setting to ask that sort of question. But 
a little bit of education behind this answer, but a little bit more of a gut feel. I, I do not believe Jeff Saturday will have a role at the organization in the next year or so. Now, he did send out a message to Colts fans. I assume at this point most people have heard that, right? And He, th- he thanked the petitioners. Oh, he said his wife and son were among them, right? About that. Do you think they went under an alias? <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> Many times. Maybe they were a couple of the 3,700 or whatever it For was. For those that missed it, we will play that a little bit later. Jeff Saturday's clip from... Are, are we assuming a Georgia lake? I think it was a Georgia... It was a lake, certainly, I, although he was kind of bundled up, right? Well. But I yeah, think he yeah. is back in Georgia. You never know on the water, so it can get a little cool out there. You never know what you will encounter. Stephen Holder was there yesterday. He's going to join us. Again, something I mentioned a little bit earlier with Stephen. He had a couple of other names besides the Rich Bisaccia, Aaron Glenn, Raheem Morris names that Jim Irsay talked about yesterday. Um, as far as you know, who were other candidates that really impressed the Colts, runner-up, et cetera, et cetera, to Shane Steichen. But we'll get Steven's thoughts. And then coming up at 9 o'clock, we'll get the Philly side of it. Anthony Gargano, who's in Philly radio out there, we'll talk to him about Shane Steichen. And also, you know, does he think any staff members? You know, something I think to point out about the hire of Jonathan Gannon yesterday to Arizona, Jake. You have two coordinators for the same team that just got hired, you know, seemingly on the same day. Right. Nick Sirianni all of a sudden is well, like, well, wait a minute. First right? off, Sirianni scrambling. Secondly, right. do we have an arms race between I mean. Steichen and Gannon to you hire guys Eagles assistants? In, right. You, guys are going in two different directions, right? You know, if you're the offensive assistant in Philly right now, wouldn't you want to go be with Gannon because he's the defensive coach? If you're a defensive assistant in Philly, would you want to come with Sykin because that side of the ball you know, might be right. up for grabs. Again, we'll see if they retain Gus Bradley. I'm certainly not ruling that out by any means. I think there's a decent chance that happens, but uh, just kind of a fascinating angle to that side of it as well. Alright, Stephen Holder next here. Kevin and Corey on a beautiful Wednesday. In- Stephen Holder going to join us here. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. In just a second, of course, Stephen with ESPN. Speaking of ESPN, Jake, this from Adam Schefter. Um, it's not the first time and likely won't be the last. Carolina and Indianapolis discussed prominent offensive coaching roles with ESPN analyst Dan Orlovsky before he opted to remain at the network. Can I uh, put this into the Jake Query um, interpreter? Yeah, that was quite the sound. Thank you. Um. It's happened before, and if somebody that he knows gets a job, it'll happen again. But Dan Orlovsky had very loose conversations with Frank Reich and Jeff Saturday about possibly coming and helping out their offenses. But he didn't want to live in Charlotte, and Saturday didn't get the gig. (laughs) Simple as that. Yeah, there you go. Well, we all recall the old Dan Orlovsky tweet defending Jeff Saturday's resume. So uh, certainly some context clues we had several weeks ago on that front. Mark, do we have Stephen? We are trying to get Stephen Holder um, to join us here. 
And again, coming up in the 9 o'clock hour, we'll get the Philly all, side of all it. I can, with, all I can hear is Mark going, hang on, hang on. Can you hear me, Steven? Hello. <laughs> Are we having some technical difficulties? It kind of sounds like that sound you just made. We, we Here's the thing. You like that? We, we, we have the YouTube stream now. Cell connection, a different issue. Is that right, Mark? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's see how this goes. Let's throw it over and see how it works. Let's see how this goes. Let's see how this goes. Steven, that's always fun in radio. Is he on right? the island in the Georgia Lake? I think Jeff it's Saturday? our. I think our receiver. Uh, it's on our end. Is what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, I think it's our end. Steven, can you hear us? I can now. Yeah. I don't. When uh, when he was trying to pass me through, it was a it was a Charlie Brown deal. No. Charlie Brown teacher. It's not you, Steven. It's me. Kind of like that's the Colts' offense last year, trying to pass, right? <laughs> Yeah, I remember they said communication issues. You know, I guess that's uh, that's what we had. Well, uh, we haven't. I guess you know they hire Shane Steichen. We've taken a step in the right direction here in trying to change uh, those issues. Um, I'll leave it pretty open ended to begin with, Stephen. Your initial impressions of Shane Steichen? Yeah, I, I don't make you know too many conclusions on the press conference, obviously, because you, you can't always tell very much. But I do think. The, the impression I came away with yesterday, not just from him, but just really uh, in regards to the entire situation, is that this is all about quarterback. Yeah, everything they're doing right now is driven by quarterback. And I was told, for example, that the, the big takeaway from a couple people I talked to in the building was like, this guy, we think this guy can fix our offense. <laughs> and so they're not making many, any bones about this. You know what I mean? I think they are. They understand what their needs are and and where they need to go, and this is a hire that is aimed at fixing that. Uh, also, the other thing is that uh, he he does have some dynamic leadership ability from from what I understand. But I also have heard that he's he's a little different in terms of his leadership style, and that it, it'll maybe it'll maybe take some getting used to for people. So so that'll be interesting as well. Um, you know, once he gets in the building and gets with the guys. Steven, we were talking about this earlier, and I, I want your thought on this. In terms of Shane Steichen and being able to kind of revamp, or, or not even revamp, but vamp the Colts offense, I mean, get it going. The versatility of systems under which he has worked yeah. or the versatility of style of quarterbacks seemingly gives the Colts now some flexibility where they are not pigeonholing themselves to one specific quarterback, and if they don't get that guy, it all goes bust. You think that was a factor in this decision? One thousand percent. I, in fact, I was I was told exactly that by someone uh, in the building yesterday, and it's in it's even in my story this morning on ESPN.com. I, I, that is a point that I I thought was important to make because it's true. I, I do think. So let's let's relate this to Frank Reich, who I am on record as saying I think is a very good coach. I, I think he has a good chance of success in his second go round if they get the quarterback right. Now the, the 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 drawback, I guess, with Frank Reich from an offensive perspective is that his offense is it is definitely more complex and and more specific to a certain type of quarterback. So. That did create some, I think, limitations uh, on the Colts when it came to acquiring quarterbacks. It doesn't mean they, they had to rule out certain guys, but, but there definitely was, uh, I think, a lot of importance placed on the fit of the quarterback. 
all right, under Frank Reich, if that makes sense. That, they think, is going to be much less important with Shane Steichen. And I think he has displayed that. I mean, he, he laid it out for us yesterday. The three quarterbacks he's worked with, uh, most recently we're talking about Philip Rivers, Justin Herbert, and Jalen Hurts. All three of those guys are very, very, very different, uh, as you have already established. And I think the way they have played offensively has been very different with each of those guys. So I, I think it's very clear to me that that they can play uh, a different style and with a different style of quarterback if they need to uh, with Shane Steichen and and do it you know pretty you know in, in a pretty versatile fashion. And again, keeps you open-minded as you enter the draft process, which I think is yeah. important considering you are picking four, but there are still some outliers in who you potentially will be able to get as your new quarterback. And Stephen Holder, and I, what I would add, just just to add this, KB, uh, along the same lines, I actually think uh, as much as Jim Mercer <laughs> is trying to let the cat out of the bag about trading up and Bryce Young, I actually think it almost gives them a little more freedom to stay put at number four. You know, if you, if you feel like you're not, you're not having to go get a specific guy. Now you may just love a guy, Bryce Young. You may just love him that much and think he's that much better. Well then great, go get him. But I'm just saying, it, it, I, I don't think it makes you as beholden to having to do that. Yeah, I mean, I know this is a conversation we'll have in the next couple of months. I do think that's a bit of a dangerous game if, to your point, one is above the rest, considering yeah, sure. you've got your division team in Houston sitting there at number two. Um, again, Stephen Holder with us, ESPN.com, his latest Colts unveil, Shane Steich and his head coach to solve QB woes. That is on ESPN.com. Stephen, I, this is a thought I had and kind of walking back to, to the media room yesterday after the press conference, I thought to myself, why didn't Frank Reich hire Shane Steichen as his OC in 2018? And, and obviously, Nick Sirianni was a fine hire and has had great success with Philly, but do you have any sort of intel into that? I, I have a couple of thoughts, but curious if you had any intel into that. I don't know. I, that's a good question. I, I do think that that he and Nick, I think from a, from on a personal level, were just very, very close. And I think very like-minded. And so that as much as anything determines, you know, your hires, right? I mean, are you in lockstep with a person, et cetera? I mean, it's very clear the love that, that Nick Sirianni has for Frank Reich, right? I mean, <laughs> we saw it after the Colts-Eagles game. Colts fans so, felt it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So so I think that is really what it boils down to. I would say this. So I, I don't think he would mind me saying this. I reached out to Frank yesterday. Or the last, actually, a couple days ago, because I know he knows Shane Steichen pretty well, and I wanted his impression, and I knew he'd give me an honest answer, even though he's taken the job he once held, and he actually was very complimentary, very complimentary. He said he thought it was a really good hire. He said good play caller. Uh, he he says that he he will be dynamic as a leader, although different, which is kind of what I was talking about earlier, and so uh, he gave me a, a pretty strong endorsement of the hire. Of uh, the guy who just took his job, so you know, kudos to him for giving an honest answer, Stephen. In terms of Stephen Holder's our guest, by the way, he's on the Payless Liquors hotline. You can read his work at ESPN.com. Um, do you believe? Because this has always been a question, I, I think, for the last couple of months. Do you believe now that as they were sitting up there, because the precedent has not always been this way, 
when you were watching the press conference, you had Shane Steichen to your left, you had Jim Irsay in the middle, Chris Ballard on the right. Is this the first time in a while that we have seen for that trio of positions for the Indianapolis Colts, three men that are all on the same page? Oh, well, they're on the same page now. Now, nothing has happened yet, right? They haven't lost a game. Uh, They haven't made any crucial decisions. And I I think when Frank Reich was sitting up there, you know, uh, five years ago, I think they were all in lockstep at that time. I think when Chuck Pagano was sitting up there, you know, 10 years ago (laughs) uh, with, with Ryan Grigson, they were all in lockstep. You know, you would think at that time, we know that did not remain true uh, throughout their tenure, talking about the, the Pagano and Grigson era, right? I mean, we know that they had, they had many, many breakdowns in the years to come. I'm not forecasting that, and I don't even think there was necessarily a falling out with Frank Reich and, and the rest of the brass. I, I don't think there's that, but, but there definitely is situations where circumstances happen and, and opinions change, uh, how those decisions reflect on individuals, can change things, right? So, I mean, it's like anything. It's like new love, right? I mean, we're coming off Valentine's Day, right? And so, a new relationship, you're in love, uh, it's great, uh, this is the person you've been waiting for, and then you have your first fight, and you realize, oh, wait a minute, I can't believe they said that to me, right? So, that's where they are right now. Uh, we'll, we'll see, though. I will say, definitely, from Shane Steichen's perspective, he definitely was singing from the right hymnal. And he, he was he was hitting the right notes that they wanted to hear. You know what I mean? Uh, talking about things like discipline and things like that. I mean, he was maybe he was being political, but he was definitely singing the right notes. So we'll see. I thought it was interesting, Stephen, that Shane Steichen. You know, he went through and basically listed every single member of the Philadelphia Eagles. He he did a really nice job of of thanking a lot of people that have been important to him. But he definitely did so when it came to players, thanking players. (coughs) Excuse me. And in addition to that, he he made more than once the reference of, it's about players. I heard him say that a couple times. You know, it's about the players. Was that, maybe not even overtly, but was that like a subconscious message of, we need players here? Do they have the players right now on the Indianapolis Colts roster for him to succeed to the level that he hopes? Well, to your second question, I think the answer is they need more. Uh, I don't think they're necessarily like some kind of talent wasteland or anything. I don't believe that, but I don't believe they have enough. You can't watch that Super Bowl on Sunday night and and then look at the Colts roster and say, yeah, you know, I think with a couple tweaks they can get there. I don't think you can honestly look in the mirror and, and believe that. And so I, I don't think that they that their talent level is bad. I just think it's not enough. And and then when the quarterback play was, was so poor last year, it just exposed some of the other shortcomings. I, I think the the skill positions, Jonathan Taylor, I, I, I have faith that Jonathan Taylor will be back and, and will be back as the guy we think he is, if he's healthy. And I think that he will be. He had the surgery, got that fixed. Now, at the, the wide receiver position, Chris Ballard doubled down on that last year and all that. I, I don't think he was wrong. I think – they had a lot of promise there, but that's what they had. They had promise. They didn't have proven elite talent. And there's a difference, like an enormous difference, right? And so I think the pass catching 
has to be upgraded. If you, I mean, depending on what you want to be, right? If you're not in a rebuild, then you got to upgrade the, the pass catching. And now I'd say this, you know, if you want this guy who, you know, somebody in my story, I referred to the, the quote, they call him a mad scientist type of guy. You know, he's got all these ideas. Okay, that's great. But ideas require players. <laughs> okay, they just do. And I don't know if it was sort of a, a subconscious message as much as just an acknowledgement because it, it's true, right? It is about the players. I mean, why does Shane Steichen look like such a genius last year? Well, because Jalen Hurts is one of one, right? And A.J. Brown is one of one. Yeah, having you Devontae know? Smith as your third offensive option is usually a pretty exactly. good situation, right? Exactly. So I don't think he has to, like, go out there and put it on a billboard. All he's got to do is say, hey, man, watch the damn tape. Okay, and look what I did when I had the, the horses. I, I just think it's it's pretty obvious, and and the, the Eagles are the embodiment of that statement that it is about the players. Stephen Holder from ESPN.com. He's with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Stephen, we saw Gus Bradley, we saw Bubba Ventrone in yep. the building yesterday for the press conference. Um, are you under the impression those two will be retained, and any other staff members um, that you are you know kind of curious about or hearing whispers on? Yeah, I think the the organization felt very strongly about those two coordinators that I know, and and I, I don't think there's any reason to jump through hoops to replace them. I mean, certainly if Shane Steichen felt very strongly about a defensive coordinator that he had in mind, that would be one thing. Uh, but I, I think the cream of the crop has been kind of uh, taken, you know, on the in this hiring cycle. So so that's a factor. And if you if you like what you have, and they definitely have history, we know that he being, or excuse me, they being Steichen and Gus Bradley, I think that makes sense to just move forward as long as he's on the same page. Don't don't make a guy get stuck with somebody he doesn't want though. That's never a good situation, and in the long term, you'll you'll regret that. So as long as he's on board with it, I think that's great. Um, Bubba Ventrone, I don't know how you upgrade that spot, frankly. I, I'm keeping Bubba Ventrone 10 times out of 10. Yeah, I would agree with that statement. Um, you think there was a runner-up to this? You know, Jim Irsay mentioned yeah. Raheem Morris and Rich Bisacci and Aaron Glenn yesterday. I know you've thrown out a couple of more names kind of in that group of people that, yep. you know, left great impressions on the Colts. Uh, you know, do, do you feel like there was a runner-up? Yeah, I, I think it was Raheem Morris. I really do. Um his ability to kind of command the room is is what won them over with him. And and I, I really just – no one said this, but really just reading between the lines, I, I think if you're asking me, like, what pushed Steichen over the top, I think it would just be the, the quarterback mm-hmm. uh, angle of this. You know what I mean? Which I get. Now that's fair. And, and it sucks for, for Raheem Morris and any defensive coach, right? That That's unfortunate. But, uh, but certainly – that had to that had to weigh heavily here. There's no question. It had to. Just for where they are. You know, if they were a different team in a different situation, um, I think maybe this goes differently. I just do. But anyway, it, I would say the other names, I think Raheem's probably was probably 1B with Steichen being 1A. Uh, I think the other names are Averro, for sure. Aaron Glenn was definitely in the mix. Callahan was definitely in the mix. I think those are the those are kind of the, the three um and Basaccia definitely got got them thinking as well. 
Stephen, is there any quarterback out there that is already in the National Football League that their services could wean the Colts away from the thought of drafting a quarterback in the first round and growing that player? Yeah, I mean, the only guy right now that comes to mind is Derek Carr. But but I also, I, I also think with Derek Carr, you know, if you're talking about going to a Super Bowl, which is the, you know, ultimately the goal, does he get you there? Do you, are you confident? I don't, I don't know that answer. I think you can be a playoff team. I think you can be, you can contend for the AFC South. Um, I, I think you know they may even have the best quarterback situation in the division from day one with him. Perhaps, depending on how you feel about Trevor Lawrence. But but does it? Does it get you to the Super Bowl in the long term? Ah, I think not unless you do what I was just talking about and you go out there and you get yourself an, an Eagles type of roster, which, you know, it's not very easy to do. So I, I think with Derek Carr, he's had a lot of talent around him offensively. Granted, their defense has been bad. I mean, not even bad, just absolutely embarrassing. But that being said, I mean, Derek Carr is a guy who I think with a good situation can succeed. Is he going to lift a team and and be transcendent? That I have doubts about. And I like the guy. So anyway, I just just don't think so. I think this is too golden of an opportunity. Go get your quarterback and and make it happen. Now, if you want to go spend money and get this guy and and then, you know, continue to draft a, a player – in spite of that, that's one thing, but I don't I don't think the commitment you're going to have to make to Derek Carr is probably going to be multiple years and a lot of money and I don't think you can do both. It, it I'm almost I'm ready for you and Kevin to both like laugh and then text each other and be like what a moron. Is, <laughs> we would never. Only because of his weekly Wednesday thing for Stephen. Only because of his offensive versatility <laughs> and the offensive versatility of Jalen Hurts. I realize he's probably going to be franchise tagged. Is Lamar Jackson even in the discussion if he is available because the Colts have cap room? Well, here's where here's where he has to be in the discussion. I don't think it's going to happen, but here's where he has to be in the discussion. If there was some method of getting him, I don't think there is, but if there was, right? Here's where I think you, you make the argument. It's Steichen and what he did with Jalen Hurts. I mean... What could he do with Lamar Jackson? Lamar Jackson is a better player than Jalen Hurts. I'm saying it now, okay? He's a better player. Again, this is there's like a point one two four percent chance of this happening. I don't know why I made up that number. That was very random. But it's not going to happen, right? But you know, for the sake of conversation, right? We're on talk radio. That's what we do. I, I do think that would be scintillating. There's no question about it. I think Steichen. Could, could do wonders. I mean, especially with the Colts running game, with what it once was, if they could resurrect that. Oh, I, I would, I'd not hear for that. Uh, I just don't see how it happens. If you're the Ravens, you have no path. If you, if you part with Lamar Jackson, I mean, where are you going? Right. What's your, what's your plan? Stephen, we'll end with this and appreciate your time on what's a busy morning for you. I think Ian Rapport tweeted uh, a six year contract for Shane Steik. And that would put him, under contract through 2028. I believe the Chris Ballard extension from 
not this past offseason, but the one prior to that is through 2026. How do you view these two and the old phrase of tied at the hip? Um, yeah, I, I think that I think the contract doesn't matter when it comes to the, the idea of being tied at the hip. I mean, it, it matters some. It matters from a financial perspective, but it doesn't matter from the perspective of whether or not uh, you know these two guys will be linked. You know, and so I, I think you know from an employment perspective. You know, so so I, I think this is Chris Ballard's hire. That is clear. This is definitely Chris Ballard's hire. Uh, unless you're Howie Roseman, you know, usually you don't get to hire three or four or five coaches. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> this needs to work out for Chris Ballard. And I think he's, he's staking a lot on this and, and the quarterback decision he's about to make. These, these are going to be the defining moments and the defining decisions of Chris Ballard's career, I believe. Steven, I have one more for you. It's Halloween Eve, so October 30th. So that's what basically eight months from right now eight and a half months you call jeff saturday on the telephone he answers Uh oh you say jeff what's up it's steven holder he says steven what's up you say not much what are you doing he says i'm on my way to work you go oh okay that means he's on his way where (laughs) he's probably on his way uh to to uh one of his business um, ventures outside of football <laughs> that he works in. <laughs> He's got some business interests. I, I don't even know the details, but I know he does have business interests uh, outside of football. And in fact, I have talked to him recently, and that's what he was doing. So, you know, what, does he go back to the studio? Perhaps. I, I think he that could happen. In fact, you know, he could he could probably spin it, spin it as as being more marketable now, having had the opportunity to be an NFL head coach, right? So maybe that gives him even more um, value as an analyst. So I, I think there's going to be interest in him there. He's really good on TV, let's be honest. He's really good, and and he's going to have that opportunity as well. So you don't believe that there is no, any sort of a role? he's not going to be in football. I don't think he will be. Okay. I, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. And again, I, really I, think he's, I think he's even more attractive to your employer now. Stephen, considering everything that I he do. went through the last couple of, couple of months, so that experience really is going to, I think, enhance his resume there with ESPN. Um, again, Stephen's the latest up on ESPN.com. Colts unveil Shane Sykin as head coach to solve QB woes. Stephen, uh, try to get a little bit of quiet time between now and the combine. Yeah, fingers crossed. Appreciate you guys. Stephen Holder, right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Jake, I'll just throw in two cents on Lamar Jackson. Uh, unbelievable talent. I, I would not be a fan of giving up the amount of draft picks it would take, slash the money it would take, and betting on him being the same player. Into, that's the that's the into his thirties. Right? That's the big thing. Is he is his style of play? Not him. I mean, he's a tremendous player. His style of play is such that precedent shows you that once that cliff is is on the other side of it, it's a a sharp drop off. Right, a little too risky for me. A little too Fair. risky for me. Unbelievable talent, but a little bit too risky as he gets a little bit deeper into his career. Again, coming up in the 9 o'clock hour, Anthony Gargano going to join us from Philly Radio. We'll get kind of the Shane Steichen side of things from where he's coming from. Um, for now, let's do a morning check down. Here. 
The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Jake, not often Indiana and Northwestern meet, and it's for second place in the Big Ten, but that is the case tonight up in Evanston. A slight favorite, the Wildcats. We'll see if Race Thompson is able to give it a go. That Indiana rotation was pretty short for Mike Woodson's liking on Saturday night. And you know what? You kind of forget about this because I think it was the same day as the Colts game. You know, Northwestern beat Indiana earlier this year in Assembly Hall, a high-scoring game that really was not as close as the final score indicated. Uh, Both teams shot it pretty well. A lot of turnovers for IU in that one. But um, we'll see if Indiana can continue this really, really strong run as of late. Uh, Three in a row for the Hoosiers as they look again. 9 o'clock tonight at Welsh Ryan. It is Purdue at Maryland, that game at 6.30. But that is tomorrow night for the 23-3 and three Boilermakers. Last night in college basketball, Ball State, 87-77 over Northern Illinois. Chirp, chirp. The Cards now 19-7, and 10-3 in MAC play. They have a six-game winning streak. It was Duke 68-64 over Notre Dame. Southern uh, moral victory for Mike Bracegroup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Southern Illinois by four over Valpo and Villanova 62-50 over Moral Buffalo victories count twice as much. <laughs> We Literally. should know that on this show. Yeah, right? one, one point game. There's 31 on the game clock, 25 on the shot clock. Duke gets the ball. Don't you foul and extend the game? That right there, ladies and gentlemen, is 12 seconds more than any radio program in the country has been talking about Notre Dame. I'm, and that is why we currently sit just behind Green Bay and two spots behind Dayton in it, your mid-market morning radio program. Was it ranked. Reese, a lot, Kev. Was it Reese that texted us yesterday about the Mike Bray link? He wanted us to chat more about that. Really? I believe he texted both of us on that. Maybe we can do it like a side podcast. Yeah. Reese, you want to meet for lunch later <laughs> today? I've got three hours to talk about Mike Bray. Uh, tonight, inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse, Pacers and Bulls. That is a 7 o'clock tip. The Pacers are favored in this one. Uh, they've won two games in the last month plus. One of those two wins over the Bulls. It's a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, DeMar DeRozan not going to play out with a thigh strain for the Pacers. Miles Turner remains questionable. He did not play on Monday. That sounds uncomfortable. A thigh strain. With lower back soreness. The Bulls have lost four in a row, all of those by at least eight points. Do the Pacers end the first half, which is more like the three-quarter poll of the season? Do they end that with a win? Yep. Think so? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll put money on it. My own money. Look at that, Mark Dykton. 25-34, and 34, Pacers have lost 16 of 18. You think a lower back would be worse than a thigh strain, or a thigh strain would be worse than a lower back? A lower back. back oh, especially worse. for a seven-footer. Lower back. Yeah. Good point. Without question. You try uh, to get out of bed with a bad back? It's horrible. Gosh, I can't even... Yeah, I can't even pick up. When's the last time you had a thigh strain, though? I can only imagine, right? Yeah, yeah. that that, that would be painful. We don't know. It's not an everyday. I can get my way around on one leg. Lower back, no way. Uh, (laughs) Yesterday, Shane Steichen, the opening press conference from him. The quarterback discussion was a plenty. Here was Shane's thoughts on what he's looking for quarterback wise. Yeah, I think accuracy, uh, decision making, and the ability to create are the three things that uh, I look at in a quarterback. Um, I think those all three things are very important. But obviously, above the neck, I think. The, you know, the players that I've been around, Jalen Hurts and Justin Herbert and Phillip Rivers, uh, they all have one thing in common. They're obsessed with their craft. Uh, and if you can find that uh, in a quarterback, you're probably going to have some success. Shane, you started out as a defensive uh, defense. Yeah, and that was Shane Steichen You know, I'm obsessed with my craft, too. On the quarterback craft season there. I saw Dan Orlovsky said Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. He thinks those are the two quarterbacks that Shane Steichen would favor. Really? Well, that's... 
Jim Mercer has other thoughts, right? I think it's a little bit of a bigger mold at quarterback. Jalen Hurts is not the tallest dude. I mean, he's thick. I mean, he's 200 and probably 20-some pounds, but he's thick. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, did Jim Irsay tip his hand on where the Colts could be going in terms of the quarterback position despite what everybody else prognosticates? We will get to that, and just about 30 minutes from now, we're going to go out to Philly. We will get the Eagles side of things on Shane Steichen from somebody who does what we do for a living in Philadelphia, but not talking about the Colts. He talks about the Eagles. We'll do all that in 27 minutes. It's Kevin and Query on a Wednesday night. 90- Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 3-5-1075, the fan. Boy, it's a gorgeous start to this Wednesday here in Indianapolis. Supposed to be big-time spring-like here on February 15th. So hopefully you can get outside and enjoy... The hump day that is today. We had Stephen Holder on with us earlier. We'll get the Philadelphia side of things with Anthony Gargano coming up here in a few minutes. Uh, Jake, probably one of the lighter moments of yesterday's press conference was Jim Irsay uh, dropping a name that could be called very, very early come late April. I guess technically he didn't. Was he talking about Will Anderson, the Alabama defensive end? Uh, Here's how it sounded dig into this draft and really see where you're at. Do you stay put? Do you trade up? You know, there, there's many things you can do. Uh, they took Jalen in the second round. So, trade um, back. Yeah, trade back. So, um, he likes that'll picks. Be a, that'll be a Twitter freaking quote. <laughs> he, he likes picks. Uh, 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 although the Alabama guy doesn't look bad, I tell you. Um, but uh, uh, it'll, be, it'll be exciting, and I think that's... Hmm. <laughs> I wish uh, you could, or we could see a picture of all three of them reacting to Ursay's comment there. Shane Steichen looked like he wanted to be just taken out of the building right away as soon as Ursay said that. Even Ballard is like, Ballard was trying to be funny there and saying the trade back comment. He winked to the crowd. It was, it was you know, typical Ballard, very politician-like in that moment. And then Ursa is just like, hey, uh, w- watch this. I'm going to just drop this comment in here and just <laughs> blow it all up. I, I got a lot of questions about it, Jake, as you would imagine. I'm sure you did as well. I, I cannot imagine Jim Ursa thinking that he was smokescreening people with that. And I know that smokescreen season will be the name of the game for the next two months. And Chris Ballard will make it abundantly clear and has already done it with his scouting staff and will continue to do it that nothing quarterback-wise gets out of this building. Nothing. I mean, the Colts were a steel trap about the head coaching process. Take that and times it by 10 with how they will want to approach their belief on quarterback. I truly truly think that was Jim Mercer's comments that he loves Bryce Young. And I don't Ryan Poles probably screen. called 10 minutes later. Oh, you want Bryce Young, huh? We can make that happen. I mean, that's the thing is... I think... It's giving Jim Irsay too much credit to think that was a smokescreen. I get it. And plus, with the fourth pick, are you really smokescreening anybody? 
I think they're going to end up with C.J. Stroud as their quarterback or Will Levis. That and that's two of the three names I realize. I, I think I love Stroud. I think he's a really good player. I think Chris Ballard really likes Will Levis. How do you think the voting is going to go between those three up there for quarterback? <laughs> Probably Steichen likes Stroud, Ballard likes Levis, and Ursay likes Young. Do you think it'll be each of them get a vote? They'll tally it up and they'll hope that someone has two and the other one has one and they'll make the pick off that? Like, Do you think it's an even vote for Steichen, Ballard, and I don't think there's ever an even vote when one of the three voters is the guy that signs the other two paychecks. It's a very fair point, but theoretically, he seems to really let Chris Ballard kind of right. run the show here. That's, you're right. So if they all vote one for one and they're all divided on it, then Ursay gets the final say. The Ursay vote wins. It did. W- the story has somehow shifted over the course of 25 years that Peyton Manning told Bill Pullian, like, I will win for you, and if, if you don't draft me, I will kick your tail for, I'm paraphrasing, for 20 years. At the time that that happened, I mean, somehow now that's turned into he, he said that to Bill Polian. At the time that it happened, because at the time I was a producer for the Jim Irsay show on Channel 6 and was there every single week that they – Jim Irsay told the story a hundred times that it was Peyton Manning said that to Jim Irsay and that Jim Irsay said, we're taking Peyton Manning. And that – I mean, Jim Irsay was open about the fact that he and Bill Polian had long, drawn-out discussions and that Polian liked Ryan Leaf. And at the time, and then that got morphed over the over the years into oh no, it was never a question. I, in the end, Jim Irsay. I'm not saying Bill Pullian didn't want Peyton Manning, but Jim Irsay absolutely said we are taking Peyton Manning. End of story. So the owner won out. There was no question about it. I think if the owner wants undeniably a quarterback, that's who they're going to get. Right. Again, I I don't think that was a smokescreen. I think it's giving Ursay way too much credit. And, hey, uh, we'll get asked about this. Let's all huddle up. And, Chris, you wink and you say trade back. And I'll drop the Alabama guy, and that'll get everybody kind of stern. I mean. But, again, it's the fourth pick. Ursay's one of three up there. I understand what you're saying, Jake, on the owner and obviously where he stands within the organization. But I do think this will be a process that they will evaluate all of these guys. And I, there's no way they have a decision made right now or that they have, or they're really anywhere close to it. I mean, you haven't had the combine. You haven't had a pro. Hell, you don't even have an offensive coordinator. I think I told you um, the, the thing to me that was the most interesting about the press conference was Shane Steichen repeatedly mentioning players. It's about players. I'm not saying that was his dog whistle, but like I think he knows. As I've said, and I said yesterday a hundred times, you get a new coach, it's it's as much about the Jimmys and Joes as the X's and O's. It's the oldest saying in the book, but it's true. It's true. Would would we be talking about Shane Steichen as a as a great offensive mind and an innovator offensively, or Nick Sirianni, if instead of AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, they were throwing to Zach Pascal? regularly as their number one weapon and again i think steichen should and will demand that from chris ballard 
And you got to hope the Bauer will be open-minded in that. Because, you know, you, you go back to the Chargers days with Phillip Rivers. A- Antonio Gates, that was kind of the early start in the league for Shane Steichen. That obviously transformed into Keenan Allen, a little bit of Mike Williams with Justin Herbert as well. And then, Jake, to your point, and hell, even look at the running backs if, if you want to incorporate the whole skill, whether it was LaDainian Tomlinson really, really early, probably honestly pre-Steichen. But you obviously look at what Austin Eckler has given that Chargers offense and you look in Philly, Miles Sanders was a high draft pick. You know, certainly Dallas Goddard as a tight end. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. That, I think, is something you have got to do. I, I thought my biggest takeaway yesterday, Jake, outside of the offensive mind, because I think walking into that room, you can see things that make you feel good about his quarterback background and his offensive Approach and being very modern, and I mentioned this earlier, he brings a modern approach to a building that's got too stale offensively. So I think that is huge. But I was more curious in him as a leader. And I know it's me putting a little bit of the therapist hat on in this, but I heard how he spoke, and I get the sense, Jake, that this is a guy that is not going to speak just to speak. He's not going to waste words. He's not going to let you know how smart he is in the room by talking for four and a half minutes and hoping that over the course of those four and a half minutes, you just think because he's speaking for that long that he's really smart. What, are you talking about him or me? <laughs> well, I, I'm talking about... <laughs> wow. That was a Thank good one. Thank you. Yeah, yeah very that nice was a good one. Uh, I look at Shane Sykin and I see direct, I see conviction, or I should say I hear a direct message with conviction concise and I think those are very important elements to have as a leader in particular one that is trying to get a football team on the same page and I found it interesting if you look at Jalen Hurts comments Devontae Smith AJ Brown you look at some of these guys comments about Steichen they have pointed out his communication as something that they appreciated and what you saw from him yesterday was understandably an extremely emotional human who has gone through one of the wilder 48 hours you're ever going to experience in the professional football world. But then once it got time to talk football with them, that dude made his presence felt. And I think that is extremely important for a 37-year-old first-time head coach to when he speaks, the players are going to have his attention. And, And I could feel some of that from him yesterday. You know the guy you mentioned that he is going to know that he doesn't have here. And it is such a... Look at the Super Bowl. The position that both Philadelphia and Kansas City had that the Colts have not had for a while is tight ends that... I mean, you mentioned Dallas Goddard and then, of course, Travis Kelsey in Kansas City who's outstanding. You know, I was talking to somebody who worked with the offense of the Colts this past year, who said, look, man, we got two tight ends that are battleships. It takes them forever to turn around. The tight end position has become basically like a hybrid of like running back slash receiver, right? You got to have guys that can catch the ball and then immediately turn and get you yards and are and are flexible within your offense, and that opens everything up. He had that in Philadelphia. That's a position, Kevin, that I think we low-key don't talk about the necessity for the Colts to upgrade, and it now exists. I think that Jack Doyle was great because he was a blocking tight end that could get could get you blue-collar stuff, but 
you need an athletic stretch tight end to go with that, and I don't think the Colts have it. Yeah, I mean, Jelani Woods, Molly Cox, obviously they, they bring size to the table. Woods certainly had some flashes last year. I'm curious to see what happens with Drew Ogletree in his second year. You know, he had a was a really bright spot in training camp coming off the torn ACL. You know, is this more of an offense for Kylan Granson, or will it be more of a you know kind of a versatile piece that's more of that hybrid sort of pass catcher? But, yeah, I mean, tight end – you could argue is right up there with, with wideout. And I will continue to stress wideout. You know, I know that you know some people might look at the Colts quarterback or wideout room and be like, oh, there's some promise there, and they were better than than people gave them credit for last season. I mean, instead of being the 30th ranked wideout group, they were the 25th ranked wideout group. Whoop de doo. I mean, that still isn't going to mean anything when you're trying to win playoff games. What I saw in the Super Bowl, the two best wideouts in that game were both players that team acquired in the offseason. Juju Smith-Schuster as a free agent and A.J. Brown via trade. So two teams that made the playoffs last year, they go out and they, you know, obviously the trade of Tyreek Hill, they had to do something Kansas City, but Philadelphia did not, they were not complacent with just Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard and company. They went out, made a huge move and certainly almost won them the Super Bowl. All right, we'll get the Philly side of it coming up in about 10 minutes with Anthony Gargano from Philly Radio. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Got a text here from somebody uh, in Plainfield. Keith, as a matter of fact. Keith in Plainfield. Jake, I'm originally from Pennsylvania. Two things I love, hoagies and hops, and also listening to Anthony G every day after your show. Oh, look at that. Love that uh, I'm going to hear Anthony, and he will, coming up here in just about six minutes, we'll go out to Philadelphia, kind of get the Eagles side of things as, you know, one of the real, I guess, drawbacks, probably one of the only drawbacks, Kevin, of having your team get to the ultimate level, and I realize the Eagles did not win the Super Bowl, but they certainly have ascended to uh, the highest of levels, and now they have to contend with the fact that that means people are going to come and start plucking away pieces, right? It's one one of the things that happens when you get to the top. Yeah, you know, I think the trickle-down effect from what we saw yesterday with Jonathan Gannon, the Eagles defensive coordinator, becoming the Arizona head coach is now do you have a race for Eagles assistance? You know, Nick Sirianni's going to want to promote some people, you would think, within. And Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon are probably going to want to hire some of those guys from Philadelphia. So it's a uh, it'll be quite the next week or so process for the Eagles, the Colts, the Cardinals, and filling out a staff. Again, Gus Bradley and Bubba Ventrone were both at yesterday's press conference. I saw several defensive assistants. I don't think I saw anybody from the offensive side of the ball in there. And I guess that would make sense. I mean, Shane Steichen would not commit to retaining Gus Bradley. I'm sure there's a bit of a logistical process in that. Um, I, I do agree with Stephen Holt. I, I would bring back Gus. I, I think, you know, defensive retention is good. But I also don't think you need to be forcing any coaches on to Shane Steichen. And again, Gus Bradley is a guy that coached with Shane Steichen for four years with the Chargers. Shane has spoken very highly of Gus Bradley. Um, but and, and I know we're going to have Rick Venturi on tomorrow. And you know, I talked with Rick yesterday and something him and I align with. I, I think at times we maybe crowned Gus Bradley a little bit too much for last season. 
thought the defense played pretty good. Um, I, I don't think it's a defense that is, you know, dictating to the opponent as much as you would like to see them do that. Maybe that's nitpicking, considering how bad your offense has been. Um, but I, I understand why Shane Steichen would want to maintain continuity with Gus Bradley and potentially Bubba Ventrone. Yeah, I, I think I wonder if there are any contingencies when you hire when a coach is hired. You know what I mean? Like, hey, we want to bring you in, but I don't like that. I I, I know, but you wonder if it happens, right? Yeah, I mean, it definitely. Yes, oh, it's happened. Yes, before. it definitely happens. I mean, hell, it happened to Frank Reich. I get those circumstances are a little bit different, but I the think- Bears hired Ryan Pace's GM, and they're like, you have to keep John Fox as your head coach, and it's like, jeez. I mean, didn't Jim Mercy do that with? Chuck Pagano and Chris Ballard in 2017. Hey, Chris, we're going to hire you. Chuck's going to be your coach. Yeah, that's a good point. So I, I, I do think that's a part, out well. part of that. Yeah, again, that's a big-time mystery. But yeah, Rick Venturi going to join us uh, tomorrow at 8. Uh, Shane Sykin today with JMV. Is that right, Mark? That's what I've been told, yeah. And then so, we'll get him at the Combine. Shane Sykin going to join John this afternoon. We come back to Philly side of things. You said Anthony G? Boy, that sounds a lot better than Kevin and Quarry. <laughs> same originality. They must have hired the same consulting group to name the show, right? Anthony G joins us next to get the Philly side of it. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Come on, Jake. I've never seen the show. <sighs> Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I, I, know, I, know, I, I know what it is, but I've never seen it. Great show. Do you watch it? That, that way, I've seen it a few times. That was part of the Colts uh, tweets announcing Shane Steichen. They crossed out the Philadelphia and put Indianapolis in announcing. And that was after the We Got Our Guy. Have you been tweet. to Philly? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I like Philly. I think Philly gets kind of a bum rap because it's it's very... There are areas of it that it's obviously very old, but like I just think there's a spirit about Philadelphia that's pretty cool. Like people from Philly will throw you down a flight of stairs for Philly, which which I think is cool. Oh, I I love the passion. Totally. I mean, Sirianni's perfect for him. Yeah, with his emotion, his passion, all those things. So yeah, we're hoping to get the silly, uh, the silly, the Philly side of it with Anthony Gargano coming up from the fanatic in Philadelphia. Certainly a busy time of year. They thought. You know, certainly at halftime on Sunday, today could be parade day. I saw it's parade day in Kansas City. Pretty good weather for the old Kansas City parade. Did you see the Valentine that Juju Schuster sent? I, I did. That was, uh, I, I chuckled and then felt bad for James Bradbury. He sent a Valentine, I, I mean, I think somebody else, it was a meme of a fake Valentine with Bradbury's photo. He's the one, of course, that was called for the defensive holding late in the Super Bowl and it just simply had his picture and it said like I will hold you when it matters most or something like that and Juju Schuster tweeted it and they went back and forth over it a little bit I saw A.J. Brown chimed in I actually like the A.J. Brown response let me see if I can find that oh he goes first off congratulations you all deserve it this is lame you was on the way out of the league before Mahomes resurrected your career on your one year TikTok boy I think Juju Smith-Schuster is a TikToker. Okay. Uh, he admitted that he grabbed you, but don't act like you're like that or ever was, but congratulations again. That's pretty fair to stand up for your guy, right? So that was like some high road moments, stand up for your guy. I thought that was a good mix from... It was a good mix. Brown. 
a good mix is a good way to say it, right? Um, again, tonight, we've got IU back in action. That is a 9 o'clock tip from Evanston. And the Pacers will round out their first half, which is more like three-fourths of the season so far, with the Chicago Bulls inside of GameBridge Fieldhouse. That's a 7 o'clock hey, tip. Hey, Anthony. That's a big one for Indiana tonight. Right? Receivers messed Taking up. Taking on Northwestern. I think second, Mark, right? we got Mark. Uh, Mark's mic's on as he's getting Anthony <laughs> on the well, air. the phones are messed up we're still. A, so. We're a well-oiled machine over he's here. He's on. Yeah. He's ready to go. Uh, from the Fanatic in Philly right now, Anthony Gargano joins us to talk about Shane Steichen. And, and I guess let's begin here, Anthony. Thank you for the time on this Wednesday morning. Uh, Shane Steichen, Jonathan Gannon. Who's the bigger loss for Philly? Do me a favor, you cut out on me. Say it again. Uh, bigger loss on the coordinator front for the Eagles. Right. Is it Jonathan Gannon or is it Shane Steichen? Okay, so they're celebrating the loss of Gannon here. <laughs> okay, just, just so you know, like the loss of Gannon is like a huge win for the fan base. The Super Bowl parades turned into the Jonathan Gannon parade? Yeah, like they're excited that they lost Gannon. So they, Gannon was the one, the one figure with the Eagles who was not liked was Gannon, basically because of his scheme. He played more of a passive scheme. But uh, I like Steichen a lot. i, I got to tell you, I thought you guys got a, a winner there. I know that we are, you know, Colts East after Frank Reich and everything else. Uh, I think Steichen's a good hire. I think he's young, sharp. He had a lot to do with uh, the success of Jalen Hurts, this offense. You know, I'm a big Sirianni guy, and I think uh, I think he Sirianni leaned on Steichen a lot. You know about the play call. You know that you know that, that Sirianni gave up the play calling to Steichen. I, I I thought it always had a a rhythm. I thought it had uh, a, a purpose. I'm very high on him. I think he's a sharp dude. So Anthony, that that might have kind of answered this question, I guess. But when you look at, I, I think the thing that people really enjoy about Philadelphia I mean the Eagles especially like in the Super Bowl was just the aggression right like the no fear offense like we're going for it fourth down like I mean it's always four downs let's go do you think that that aggression was that Nick Sirianni deferring entirely to Steichen's philosophy or did Steichen's philosophy come from the energy and the tone that was set by Nick Sirianni yeah I just think sometimes guys are on the same page and those two are on the same page right I I know that 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 Sirianni's philosophy is to be aggressive and to go for it. And it's not about threes, it's about sevens. And especially, you know, like they've perfected the third and five play call, which is like we know that we're going to go for it, so we may not go to the sticks, we may go underneath, we may run the ball, and because we're going to go for it on fourth down. And I, I, I think that is uh, more of a collab kind of thing. I know Sirianni felt like that. I think those two on the same page. I, again, I, I think those two guys worked, you know, wonderfully in tandem. And I think I think Steichen's going to be a, a very successful guy. He's, he's real likable. I think the thing about Sirianni is he relates really well to his players, and I think Steichen's the same way. Again, Anthony Gargano's with us, 97.5, the Fanatic in Philly. And we're talking Shane Steichen with him right now. Personality-wise, Anthony, I guess as best you know, you know, 
Nick Sirianni, we see his emotion. We saw it here for yeah. several seasons, and obviously if you were inside of Lucas Oil Stadium back in November, you certainly saw it after that Eagles win over mm-hmm. the Colts. Uh, Shane Steichen, does he fall a little bit more on the Sirianni side of the personality to you or a little bit more on the Frank Reich side of things? He's probably a little bit more Reich, but i I, I got to tell you, he's not – Frank was very uh, stoic, understated in that way, and more old school. I think I think Shane's got a little bit of uh, fire to him in that way, and I think he's got. He will, he, listen, he's not Sirianni, right? Sirianni is uh, he's Ted Lasso. You know, he's got this like amazing, like he loves everybody, and he's fiery, and he's just got. He's just got. That's who he is, right? So he's not that. But I think he's he's definitely Steichen's definitely got uh, a good way about him. I think you'll like him. I think you'll be more he's more animated than Reich. So I think you know Frank Frank is more old school, right? Like Frank's got that you know uh, I've been around this game a long time and it's more even keeled and uh, it's what I kind of like about the youthfulness of Sirianni. Like he's into it, and I think Steichen's going to be the same way. If you don't mind, we go back to the 2021 season and when Sirianni gave up those play calling duties. Like, I, I assume it was just too much was on his plate. But you know, where was you know the Eagles' situation at that point, and why do you think he did that with Steichen taking over, and then seemingly they kind of turned it around and made the playoffs? Yeah. So a couple things. One, um, look, they had to re kind of focus their offense. If you, you know, Jalen Hurts had, has made an incredible leap from last year to this year. If you just go back and watch the Tampa playoff game from a year ago, all right, a year, that's it, a year ago, where he missed open receivers, he did not play well. There was a lot of talk that, you know, they were going to, they did kick the tires on Russell Wilson. They were going to talk about uh, using one of their picks to draft a quarterback. So, you know, when I when we go back to that, that's a big part of the story. So when Sirianni takes over, he has more of a passing, uh, you know, emphasis on his, on his offense. Now he has to kind of reshape it, refocus it to a more run-based offense at, with Jalen using a lot of stuff on his legs. And I, I think, look, I think one of the reasons why was less about the play calling, why he gave it up to Shane, and more about why you know he wanted to kind of set, sit back and be a CEO, and I think which I always gave Sirianni a lot of credit because I, I think you have to be more CEO, especially when you're a young new coach, first year guy. You, you want to be you know more the CEO type. But the Eagles' offense was okay last year, uh, and I think you know did it improve some. With Shane at the helm, yeah, I, I think so. But I think it was more of a product of them shifting to a more run-based, run-focused offense. And then this year, Jalen takes the steps. And look, you know, I, you could be the greatest play call in the world if your quarterback isn't isn't good. You got no success. So this was all about this year was all about Jalen's you know kind of meteoric rise. You know, the thing about Jalen Hurts, I, I've always been Anthony impressed with Jay. I mean I don't know Jalen Hurts right but in watching him even back to when he was at Alabama and he gets pulled for for Tua and then Tua throws a touchdown like I, I just thought he had a maturity about him and a leadership yeah. about him that was very impressive but in particular now that entire 
Eagles franchise since the Super Bowl and losing that game, they all have had like this incredible maturity and accountability about them. Was that brought out of jail? Did he already just inherently have that? Or is there a, a system in place perhaps that Sykin brings with him that that is starting at the top within the Eagles organization? Yeah. I mean, I think you have a little bit of both, but let me just say this about Jalen. That's innate. All right, like what you saw from him was who he is. He's a coach's kid. Like when your father's the coach and you go, you grew up around it, and that's who he is. Like those coaches' kids are always so far ahead of the game when it comes to maturity and how to act. And you know, he's also relentless as a worker. I mean, you know, people get like cliche. Oh well, you know, where everybody works. Well, this dude is almost obsessed by football like that's what he loves to do it's his hobby and his vocation so he's married to two he loves it and he's just a relentless worker and so that's innate now i will say that the eagles franchise and that organization comes from jeffrey Lurie and uh, howie roseman they have a tremendous amount of what they've built a lot of gravitas that i think stems from andy reed i think andy reed helped install this and almost guide Jeffrey Lurie and Howie because Howie worked under Andy for a long time and I I think Andy put it in place and Jeffrey and and Howie really perfected it and they do have that what you see is real so you kind of get both right so when he comes here when Shane comes here he's coming from a really well-oiled machine that starts at the top I mean Jeff is a really is a great owner nobody roots for the, the owners right we know that but my man's got it down. Like he knows how to run an organization and how he's a terrific top lieutenant and a, and a CEO type. And so they're buttoned up. And I think that's a good thing because Shane's going to come into Indy and he's going to get everything organized. You know, I, and I don't know what Frank was like, you know, over there, but I'm, I'm telling you, I know that Steichen will, that'll be the first thing he'll attack. Again, uh, last one from me, Anthony. Anthony Gargano's with us here. You can hear him. 97.5, the Fanatic in Philly. Some great stuff here on this Wednesday morning about Shane Steichen. You know, I asked Shane yesterday in the press conference about the biggest thing he wants to take from Nick Sirianni's two years as being a first-time head coach and the success he's had. What do you think would be the biggest thing Shane Steichen is looking to take from how Nick Sirianni has led Philly? You know what? His professionalism. I, I got to tell you something, guys. Listen, when, when when Nick comes in and he has his introductory press conference, you know, Nick did not do well, right, in, in that news conference. And by the way, nobody wins and loses on the news conference, but it's your first kind of foray into, well, who's the guy? Nobody in Philadelphia knew who Nick was. And I, I remember the, the each step along the way during his first season, there was an incredible professionalism. Like I was out at their mini camps, their practices, you know, the, the OTAs and practices were run really well to the t- I love the way they ran their practices. I love the way they ran their meetings. I, and they translated on the field. And I will never forget looking at them out the, the first preseason game and they were organized and they were professional. 
And I think that's a big deal because you're going to come off on that footing where you go, all right, this is who we want to be, and you're laying the groundwork. And I think that's a big thing that Sirianni, Sirianni joked, well, talked about planting roots, and everybody joked about that. He was right. And he's going to take that, I believe. Shane's going to take that, and he's going to plant his roots, and that team, that Colts team will be professional. And I do think he'll foster the love thing. And I think inside that room, those guys believe in one another, and they love one another. And it's not a cliche, and it's not corny. It worked, and it's translated into a winning franchise. Which city do you think more, uh, at times probably desperately, holds on to movies to try to like latch onto a sports culture? Indianapolis with the movie Hoosiers or Philly with Rocky? <laughs> I think both became <laughs> a character, right? Like, totally. Like, like a part of the town. Totally. You know, it, it is. It just became ingrained. For some reason, both of those films, the two greats, and they are one, too, when it comes to sports movies, when, when, the, when they, it just became part of the identity. And I think both cities were looking for an identity when the movies came out. Yeah, I it think, is. I, I, you know, don't you agree, Anthony? I, you know, one thing about Philly that I, I I truly appreciate and respect, and one of the things that I kind of love about it, when you visit Philadelphia as a non-Philadelphian, you you understand and you have a feeling for the fact that it's kind of America's city, historically speaking. But you know that people who are born and bred in Philly have it within them, and it never leaves you. No matter where you might go from Philadelphia, you are definitely a Philly guy or gal. And I think people in Indy can relate to that because we kind of have that here. And yeah. and I think we're fortunate. Not a lot of cities have that. You know what it is? It's, it's an inner, inner pride, and I think it's, it's beautiful. I worked in New York, Chicago. I've been all around the country, and I went back to Philly, and I kind of wear on my sleeves, and I could sense the same thing. Uh, about Indianapolis, it's a it's a it's a great spot, great place, and it's a place of pride. And I love places that have civic pride, pride in what they do. Yeah. So, amen, brother. Amen to that. I think Nick Sirianni certainly wears it on his sleeve, and I think guys love playing for him. I think the fan base certainly has gravitated towards Nick Sirianni again. Anthony Gargano from ninety-seven-five, the the fanatic in Philly. Thanks, Anthony. Appreciate it, man. See you, fellas. That's Anthony Gargano right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Love that accent. Totally. And like he, and that's that was just, great stuff I, too. You know, Anthony's actually right. He, he's in the top ten in the radio market rankings, and we're you know we're lacking there behind. We're, I just look. No, no, he's in. Well, he's fifteenth. What's that? He's, he's in the big market. His no, his station's fifteen. He's tenth. Oh, yeah. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> he's see. Unlike us, he he's the the flag carrier for his station. See, now we and I just looked yesterday. I don't know if you guys noticed. Or, we just got passed by Grand Rapids. Did you see that? It's because the they played Prince music for a week. <laughs> the Grand Rapids folks passed us, but we're still hanging around, right? We can't we are, kill us. We're in the others receiving yeah, boats, lurking. <laughs> Try to improve our resume with a road win. That's right. Uh, That's later. exactly right. You know? um, again, we've been playing some Shane Steichen audio throughout today's um, show. Mark, if you don't mind, call, uh, cue up that Sirianni clip from Steichen from yesterday. Again, that's a question I posed to Anthony, but um, I thought this answer was one that really resonated with Jim Irsay and Chris Ballard. I think you can see the quarterback background. You can see the defer, the diverse offensive systems he's been in. 
and you initially come away extremely wow, this guy knows what the hell he's talking about offensively. But again, you are the head coach of the football team, so it's more than just that. Here was Shane Sykin yesterday on the biggest thing he learned from Nick Sirianni. Nick did an unbelievable job uh, of holding guys accountable. And I know the players that were here with him, I know they saw that, uh, and he carried that over to Philadelphia. And uh, he never let anything slide. And I think as a head football coach, you got to hold people got hold, hold people accountable. And uh, if something ain't right, something needs to be said. And it's player to player, coach to coach, coach to player. Like, we got to make sure we're all on the same page and rolling, and he did a hell of a job doing that. Jake, I think a aspect to – you know, modern sports or the modern NFL is can you find a guy that, you know, is able to kind of pair the modern aspect of whatever analytics and, and, and innovation and certainly offensive minded focus when you're talking about the NFL to the old school aspect of work ethic, of earning your way through the ranks, the accountability phrase uh, word that you just heard from Steichen right there. And in a way, and maybe this is giving Shane Steichen way too much credit, I feel like he's kind of earned that as he's moved his way up through the NFL coaching ranks. If you think about how he got started in the NFL, it's fascinating to me. And I mentioned this earlier, but I think it's worth saying again. Norv Turner, who is a very respected NFL head coach, his son plays at UNLV with Shane Steichen. Norv Turner gives Shane Steichen his first job in the NFL not coaching offense, not coaching quarterbacks, on the defensive side of the ball. So think about 21, 22-year-old you or me, and you make an impression on an NFL head coach to the point where he's going to hire you, and he's not even going to hire you to coach the side of the ball you have played on. He's going to hire you to be on the defensive side of an NFL staff. So he initially earns that respect at a very young age of a Norv Turner and then a Philip Rivers. But yet you hear him talk yesterday, and it is a very modern way of thinking to the NFL game, which I think that sort of life needed to be injected into a building that I think has gotten way too archaic with a lot of their thinking. I think it's a really nice mix that Steichen brings to the table. Good core values of the old school, but then also a much-needed view of how the game should be played now. Did you see, Kevin, what the owner of the Indianapolis Colts 16 minutes ago put out in the Twitter sphere? Oh, God. We will use that as the top headline in our morning checkdown. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Yesterday, Jim Mersey made reference to the guy from Alabama, whether or not he meant Bryce Young, of course, that seemingly is what he meant by that. But the Colts don't have the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. That belongs, Mark, to? The Bears. That's right. Uh, Jim Mersey at 9.05 this morning with a picture of himself in the Lincoln Park Zoo sitting on the back of a bear <laughs> with the following. My relationship with the Chicago Bears goes back more than 60 years, dot, dot, dot. Oh, boy. Just me, but boy, that bear doesn't look too comfortable. I love bears. Oh, they just seem so cuddly. Bears are just cool. You know, did you see the bear that, that found the camera? That's a great tweet by Ursay. It is. There's a bear... Um, that found a camera out in the wild and took like 400 selfies of himself. I feel like every other day awesome. it's always like bears escape from the zoo in X city. I'm <laughs> like, know. what? How in well, the world? Well, there's brown is this bears happening? and black bears, and uh, you know, like the grizzlies are really mean. There are also those that are basically 
herbivores that just kind of want to hang out. Why is that not nice the bear's fellas. mascot, Mark? Why, why is that bear? It needs to be. It needs yeah. to be like an alternate jersey or helmet or something. If Dan Campbell was coaching the bears, you'd certainly He's have riding that. the back of a bear at the Lincoln Park Zoo. Yeah, Could again, you, the bear looks Mark, were you able to do that back in the day? <laughs> not when I was a kid. <laughs> Lincoln Park Zoo is a staple. fined and jailed for that. It is a staple. Uh, the other big news that I get... Jake, I just came... I believe it just came out in the last few minutes. Uh, this is going to be it coming up. In the Indy 500 for Tony Kanaan? Correct. Uh, you know, although Tony Kanaan last year finishing in the top five, if that happens again... Yeah, third last year for Kanaan. I mean, if he's if he's sniffing it and flirting with it again, does he come back? But Tony Kanaan announcing that, yeah. That, um, the Speedway had said that they were going to have an announcement from a 500 winner today. It was anticipated what we uh, now know officially, Tony Kanaan... Uh, this will be his last Indy 500. One of the fan favorites for certain. 48 years old. This will be his 26th Indianapolis 500. I kind of forgot this. Uh, he's with Errol McLaren. Correct. This year. And then, you know, we mentioned this a few weeks back, but Kyle Larson will be racing for Arrow, but that won't be until 2024. Correct. So That's theoretically, Kanan would be on, you know, the one year cycle and then. Kyle Larson would take over. Uh, that'll be a fun storyline, and Jake, for obviously anyone that has been to an Indy 500 of recent, if you want to talk about someone that garners the biggest cheers on race day, Loudest Tony Kanaan he takes the lead, man, is probably at the top of that list, or certainly near it. All right, tonight inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse, it'll be the final game until the All-Star break for the Indiana Pacers. They are a slight favorite over the Chicago Bulls. DeMar DeRozan will not play. Uh, looks like some health questions for the Pacers' big guys. Miles Turner did not play on Monday. Still questionable with lower back soreness. I don't think he practiced yesterday. I tend to think, Jake, with a back and a big guy, and you've got a week off after this, wouldn't you just sit him? Yeah, probably. Uh, Daniel Tice, thumb sprain. It's questionable. So it could be a big night for Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith. Thumb sprain sounds uncomfortable, too. Would you rather have the thumb sprain or the thigh strain? Uh, thumb, especially if it was on my non-shooting hand. Yeah, but man, I, I don't. I, don't you feel like the strain? You just stretch it out a little bit. Well, a thumb sprain doesn't like the average person probably have that all the time. We just we don't like have a diagnosis because we're not a professional athlete. Just some terrific medical one hundred and one that we're providing here on the show. <laughs> I'm just saying, for what it's worth, college basketball last night. By the way, do we have the swoosh mark? Yeah, we don't have phones, but we have the solution. Uh, college basketball no last night: Ball State <laughs> over Northern Illinois, eighty-seven seventy-seven. It was Duke over Notre Dame, sixty-eight sixty-four. By the way, Michael Lewis's group has now won six straight. Peyton Sparks had twenty to spark Ball State. He also had sixteen boards. Cards now nineteen and seven overall. Then again, Duke sixty-eight sixty-four over Notre Dame. It was Southern Illinois over Valpo and Butler on the short end against Villanova. Speaking of Philadelphia, sixty-two fifty. Last night, Wildcats win at Villanova has won three straight. They are thirteen and thirteen overall. Butler falls to thirteen and fourteen. Yeah, Butler did have some moments in the second half there where they made it interesting, but they cannot close things out on the road, which no shock considering how they've played in the Big East this season away from Hinkle. Uh tonight it'll be Indiana at Northwestern. That's a nine o'clock tip. Northwestern a slight favorite. We'll see about Race Thompson. If he's going to play again, that rotation for Mike Woodson, just seven guys the other night up at Michigan. You think about last year's meeting at Northwestern, really low scoring. Indiana lost that one. They only scored 51 points. Miller Cop struggled in returning to face his old team. Uh, and if you think back to the meeting earlier this year, Northwestern beat IU at Assembly Hall. Jalen Hood Shafino had 33 in that game, but 16 turnovers for Indiana. 
Jake, the winner of this for 24 hours, they put a little bit of pressure on Purdue. Yeah. As Purdue I mean, heads to play at Maryland tomorrow. Purdue has, you know, Purdue's put themselves in a situation, they're still in a, in a good situation, but they've got to start getting better consistency out of their backcourt. And we've talked about that, right? The freshman guards, you wondered if that was going to start to rear its head a little bit. Maybe so, but Purdue's got to figure out. Bumping the road here or uh, disturbing pattern. It's a lot of self-induced stuff by Purdue. You know, if they don't commit turnovers in the half court, their offense is so efficient, they're going to score and score just fine. But similar to a storyline we saw last year with them, with obviously different guard play, uh, the turnover has certainly been an issue the last couple of games for Purdue. So 6.30 for them tomorrow. You go back to 9 o'clock tonight for Indiana and Northwestern. Uh, Mark, uh, I think you have some bad news related well, to the pop quiz. No, no. So we have phones, but they can't hear me and I can't hear them. But when I put them on hold, they can hear you guys. So if you want to call the pop quiz, 317-239-1070. My mind is blown I know. with that comment. So I just do that, that and then I will. So today we have up. the YouTube stream, right? We have the YouTube stream crystal clear. But 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 the phone issues. Yeah, right? you can't hear me and I can't hear you. So what are we going to do, like sign language Feel here? free call. I'll put them on hold. And then we'll just pick a number, and then we'll do get to know your listener that way because we won't know who the hell so called in. So zero words discussed, right? Until but, but, but how are they we going to communicate air? with them? Well, I will throw. They can hear you once I put them on the once air. They're so you pick through. a number. Remember what Stephen Holder yeah. said earlier. Now this once is a huge gamble here, Mark. I know. I mean, we don't know who we're putting on the air, right? We're putting the fifteenth spot so on. Basically, the line. what we're going to say is you <laughs> are calling. It's like riding a bear five. at Lincoln Park Zoo. We don't know what the hell's going to happen. <laughs> okay. I think that was All a right. great Ursay tweet. It's pretty strong. Oh. That was outstanding. Um, all right, pop quiz. Good luck. I guess we'll talk to you. 317-239-1070. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Have you studied... Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. So I want to get this straight, Mark. So the people on hold, as we ask questions, release carrier pigeons that then fly to Monument Circle, and then we know the answer, and then we send it back, and then we find out, and sometime around 1 today, we find out if we have a winner. Is that yeah, right? yeah. So hopefully this is one of Scotty's harder quizzes because if they go for five for five, I'm not, I'm going to get any information here. So is this like a little bit of a should we go out into the fax machine out in the hallway and maybe they can fax us their answer? Well, the problem with the copy machine here, Kevin, is when you hit copy, that thing's so elaborate that that means you're going to get yourself a copy on Saturday, right? It's quite the sound too. Oh, I'm like, what is? I just I just want a Xerox. Please. So I guess more than ever, this is surely what number? We're spinning the wheel today. That's what we're doing. <laughs> Now, is this the price is right? No. Wheel? No. Uh, again, more than ever, like Jake, th- this is literally what number? So give us a number because that's literally who we're bringing on or I mean, what number we're bringing on. Three. And the mystery contestant is... Number, number three. three. Uh, uh, who are you? Hello? Okay. Yeah, this worked well. Well, this yes. has gone swimmingly. Uh, okay, I, I wasn't is... calling for the pop quiz. I was calling in to say that I think Jake is the best guy on the show. Okay, no well, one said you. that. Uh, let's try again. I think we are almost. Are we just doing a roulette? Yeah. You want me to uh, hi, it's Radio Roulette. Who's this? This is Stephen. Stephen, hallelujah, Stephen. 
Can you hear us? You can hear me. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's right. Steven. Steven. Let's go. <laughs> Blink twice. Okay, Steven, have you called the program before? Oh, once or twice. Once or twice, okay. Steven, did the dysfunction of the pop quiz lead to you calling in? Did you want to be a part of it? It did. It did. I was not going to call, but I like dysfunction. <laughs> he likes hellish nightmares. Steven, Steven uh, a diehard Colts fan this Steven, past year. what kind of work do you do for a living? I, I sell food. What's that? I sell food. I sell food. What do you sell? Okay. All kinds of food. Everywhere. Down in the southern part of Indiana. Oh, what? any particular types? Uh, everything. We got uh, about 10,000 10, items. Oh, Are you wow, outside geez. of the city of Indianapolis currently? Yeah, just, uh, just outside, just south. Give me the first letter of the town you're in. S. S as in Stephen? S as in Franklin. Fairly. You're in Franklin, Indiana, right? Yes, sir. Now, is the uh, Jefferson Street or whatever pub there, uh, is that still, is it gone or is it back open again? Jeff Street, uh, I think, is still around these okay. days. I, I thought they had a fire or something. I heard Steven, that's a cool do joint, s- though. Do you sell to like groceries, restaurants? A mix of both. Gotcha. So you do it all. Just a little bit of everything. Yes, sir. <laughs> you like Shane Steichen as the new Colts head coach? I'm pumped. Run yeah. through a wall for him. Yeah, he's. Uh, I I like him. I'm happy to have him here. Steven, I don't know you at all. I don't know what you look like, but on third and one, I want you getting the football because I think you're going to move the chains with your energy. I think uh, probably a loss of five. If that was <laughs> well, if you can run through a wall, you can run through a D-line, right? I mean, come on. Uh, I didn't say a brick wall. Probably, you know, We're just talking maybe a little bit of stucco. Paper mache, okay. <laughs> Steven, uh, last question before we begin the pop quiz. You are a graduate of what high school? I did not graduate high school. I got okay. my GED and went on to college about 17. No, that's cool. Okay, nice. but you attended what high school? Uh, I was a homeschool student. Okay, well, that's, you know what, Stephen? That's a pretty cool um, story of like perseverance there, right? So I appreciate that. that yes, is very sir. Cool. Thank you. All right, here we go, Stephen. Would you like for me, that would be Jake, to lead you off with question number one, or would you like for Kevin to lead you off? Let's go with Kevin. Let's run through a wall for Kevin. Let's do it, Steven. I'm ready. Third and one. The ball is in your hands. Second-ranked Indiana University women's basketball team ran its record to 24-1 with a win over Ohio State Monday night. Name the only team to beat the IU women this season. Their coach is Sally Izzo. Is it A, Tennessee, B, Nebraska, C, Michigan State, or D, Ohio State? Uh, what were the first two again? Uh, Tennessee, Nebraska, Michigan State, or Ohio State. Their head coach is Sally Izzo. Go Nebraska. Are you there? Turn your mic on, Jake. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I, I didn't turn it off. You did. I did not turn my mic off. Stephen, question number two for you. Duke improved to 13-0 at home under first-year head coach John Shoyer with their win over Notre Dame last night. Shire. What'd I say? Shoyer. Oh, sorry. Name the last ACC head coach to begin his career with 13 straight home wins, even though Shire's unprecedented in the feat. Uh, Is it A, Shire is the first, B, Bill Guthridge, C, Matt Doherty, or D, Rick Pitino? Pitino. Scotty, I don't know if we needed that question on the pop quiz. Oh, uh, wait. You said 13? It's 
It's Sire. He's the first. Okay, yeah, there you go. That was quite the change. Nice, Stephen. All right, number three here. Chris Paul had 19 assists in the Suns' win over the Kings last night. The 19 assists is the second most by a player aged 37 or older in NBA history. Name the only player aged 37 or older to dish out 20 assists in an NBA game. Is it A, John Stockton, B, fellow son, Steve Nash, C, Kevin Porter, or D, Rajon Rondo? Steve Nash. Nice. Steve is on fire here. All right, question number four. 42 years ago today, Richard Petty won his seventh and final Daytona 500. Who is second on the all-time wins list for Daytona 500s with four of them? Is it Jeff Gordon, Denny Hamlin, Bobby Allison, or Cale Yarborough? Jeff Gordon. Okay. All right, the final one, Stephen. Last week, LeBron James passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for NBA's career scoring record. On this day in 1966, Wilt Chamberlain became the NBA's career scoring leader with his 20,881st point. Whose record did Wilt break? Bob Pettit, Dolph Shays, George Mikan, or Ed McCauley? George Mikan. By the way, Stephen, you sound like a fun guy. Now, Diet Pepsis or Diet Cokes are sufficient, um, but would you like to come to, to my PBR party when we're just going to sit around and watch sports and drink PBR? That sounds like a blast. <laughs> Heck yeah. That's what I like to hear, Stephen. Yeah, you're going to bring great energy, How Stephen. old a fella are you, Stephen? I'm 37 years young. Okay, well, that's Stephen, cool. you remind me of Shane Steichen a little bit. Decisive, direct. You, are, you did not mess around with that pop quiz. I appreciate the efficiency. Let's go. <laughs> By the way, I, I worked at Channel 6 with a Jason Scheuer. I don't know why I said Scheuer, but that, that's what I was thinking of instead of John Shire. Uh, number one, second-ranked Indiana University. Their basketball team, 24-1. and one. Their lone loss, the Sally Izzo hint, was the bit of the giveaway. I will tell you, Stephen was correct that Shire is the first coach to go 13-0 at home in the ACC to start out a career. Steve Nash was correct. Uh, Cale Yarborough and Bob Pettit rounded out on those last two, and it is Michigan State. Stephen, thanks, man. Great work. I like Steve. Safe travels with the food. You don't get to come back tomorrow. You don't even get a lousy copy of our home game. You're a complete loser. (laughs) What does the moment mean to you, Andy? It means a lot. I could kiss you right now, but I'm not going to do that. (laughs) I want to kiss you. I couldn't care less about the team struggling. I want to kiss you. Thanks, Joe. Yeah. Huge compliment. (laughs) Andy Reid. Big old grizzly bear, Andy Reid. Um, Terry Bradshaw telling him to waddle over. <laughs> Terry had a few too many um, fat jokes, I thought, on the old yeah, stage I mean, like, the other night. I mean, I guess Terry Bradshaw can get away with it, but it ain't exactly like he's felt. You know what I mean? Did you? What was the? Did the Sally Izzo one just not? Was it? Yeah, I thought that was decent. I thought that was a solid one. Oh, I, it, for sure. I, I think Stephen just didn't catch it. That's crazy, Scotty. They're 8-0 against ranked teams, right? Terry Moore, IU women. They're really good. I, I mean, if South Carolina can get upset somewhere, or if, you know, I don't know if they could necessarily beat South Carolina in the tournament, but I mean, they're, they are clearly the second best team in the country. I think there's still a gap between one and two, but... I feel like Steven's got two strong. brothers. One is Donnie Baker, and one's that other guy that calls in that sounds like Steven and Donnie Baker. <laughs> you guys know who I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I know who you're talking about. I don't yeah. remember the name, though. I fried... 
at first I thought that was him. Um, all right, Jeff Saturday had a pretty classy, I guess, goodbye for now. Video yesterday. We'll play that next here to round it out. Todd McShay's also got the Colts taking number one, so maybe I'll throw that at you too Ooh. on the other side. Well, Jim Mercer's riding the bear. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Right now in the Lincoln Park Zoo. I think with uh, any exceptional elite athlete, however you want to call it, there are stats that just make you go, wow. How about this one from Patrick Mahomes? 24 times in his career, Mahomes has been in a game where his team has been down at least 10 points. He's 14-10 and 10 in those games. That's pretty impressive. You get down 10 points and you have a better than 50-50 chance to win the game with Patrick Mahomes. I've always wondered this. You know the stat of like fourth quarter comebacks? Mm-hmm. There are two things about that that I've always wondered. Number one is, what is the criteria of that? Your team is down at any point in the third quarter? Uh, fourth, I believe. I mean, fourth quarter, that's what I mean. I think down, I'm not sure if it's tied as well, but obviously down would Does be it a fourth have, quarter comeback. Well, but I'm saying, if the fourth quarter begins and it's 21-20, to 20, and you score on your first drive a field goal to go up 23-21, and then... You know, ten and a half minutes go by, nobody scores. You win twenty three twenty one. Does that count as a fourth quarter comeback? Yeah, I think it counts as a or comeback. Does it have to be on your final possession? No, I think at any point in the fourth quarter, which to your point can get a little finicky. If you kick a field goal with fourteen twenty two to go in the fourth right. quarter, now, now I think if you, in terms of fourth quarter drives, I think you have to start that drive in the fourth quarter. Okay, if you want to get super. I've technical. always wondered this as well, and and I personally believe that as time has gone on. Because I wasn't a fan necessarily when the guy was playing, partially because you know I grew up a Steelers fan, and then when the Colts were here, I really did become you know an avid follower of the Colts as well. And the so the two teams that drove me crazy were the Dolphins and the Broncos because they just never went away. The Bills as well, but so I was never a fan of John Elway. But as time has gone on, Kevin, I do believe that John Elway is the one guy that you can consistently make the most salient argument about him being the greatest quarterback of all time. I realize Brady has probably solved that with his rings, but Elway's skill set was just so unique for his time period. But I've always wondered, because he had the record at one point for most fourth quarter comebacks, how much of that in addition to his incredible skill set, how much of that was based on the altitude of playing in Denver and teams just getting completely worn out mm. by the fourth quarter? Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I always felt that that was a popular stat that people would mention with Andrew Luck. Well, also, somewhat of a common thing with Luck was he'd throw some first quarter, second quarter interceptions that would put you behind. So you would have to come back in games. You know, that's a stat that obviously the quarterback plays a role in needing to create fourth quarter comebacks as well. If you play well in the first couple quarters and you have a lead, you don't need the fourth quarter comeback. So it is always right. something that I have thought about. Do you believe Todd McShay, by the way, and I know that you know these are all just the whole point and purpose of things like Todd McShay doing a mock draft is because then guys in Indianapolis on the radio mm-hmm. you know, start talking about it. 
But Todd McShay this morning has said that he believes that the Colts number one will have the number one overall pick, and with the number one overall pick, they will select out of Alabama. Bryce Young out of Alabama, the quarterback. Now, question becomes, and I guess, Mark, you can weigh in on this as well mm-hmm. because you probably look at what the Bears are rumored to be doing. Kevin, we know Chris Ballard's respect for Justin Fields is it possible that if the Colts were to make a trade with the Chicago Bears, it would not be for the number one pick to take Bryce Young, but rather that they would trade to get Justin Fields and Chicago would add on to pieces and keep the number one overall? Ballard certainly was a fan of Fields. You know, Actually, was... I, yeah, that's what they would do, right? They would tra- The Colts would trade the four for Fields, right? Yeah, I don't know exactly how, of course, Shane Steichen would feel about that, but... I Mark, you can speak better. This I get every indication Chicago's not even yeah, thinking about. Yeah, I mean, that. by all accounts, he's their guy going forward. He's solidified his himself as the guy in the season. The, the locker room loves him. The coaching staff loves him. The GM loves him. The owners love him. The city loves him. So I'd be stunned if that that moved occurred. But he does have McShay does have the Bears and Colts trading, and he's got the Colts giving up the number four pick, a second rounder, number thirty five, a fifth rounder, and maybe even an additional round one selection in twenty twenty four to move up to get Bryce Young with the number one overall pick. Would that be something you guys are interested in? Yeah, I think to go from four to one is going to cost you obviously number four, the second rounder this year, and then your first next year. I think that is that's like the trade package that I think it would take. I don't think. Here's the thing. I think what you would be giving up, like if you if you had to to, to put a point value on each of those things, I think it adds up to a greater point value than the differential between the first and fourth pick quarterback. Because I don't think quarterbacks are going to go one through four. So in other words, I think the gap between Bryce Young and, say, C.J. Stroud is much less than the gap between just sticking at four and what you would give up. I don't, I, but there's I don't no think guarantee if you stick at four that both Brown and both Young and Stroud would be there. Well, then you go with, in other words, I, I think at four, in other words, whatever quarterback you end up with at four, whether it's Levis, Stroud, Richardson, whoever it might be, I think the gap between Young and that quarterback is much smaller than the gap between sitting where you are and everything you would give up to move up. I don't think you get return on investment by moving up three spots. Under that philosophy, though, you are content in letting the other teams decide who you're getting. Including one in your division. And, and, I'm I, o- I, I, don't, and I am okay with that I don't because love that. of the fact that I think that the, the in there are years, Kevin, where I think that the separation between quarterbacks is that great I, I feel like they are interchangeable enough that I'm okay with that because I'm not that's a dangerous game but in the my other mind. way the other way to do it is that I'm the, the way I look at it you look at it that way I look at it as I'm not going to allow teams to dictate what I'm going to give up yeah but I think if you get the guy nothing else matters I feel like you have to be comfortable then like your number one pick on the draft board might go to the Texans and then you have to face that guy for the next 10 I think years. this is a year where people may move up to get a quarterback simply because they feel like that's what they need to do versus because there are quarterbacks that are worth mortgaging to get. Yeah, I I don't think you can stay at four and hope that someone is going to fall because if you look at Chicago, something I'm not saying the Bears will do this, but you know Houston is sitting there at two, you know, what if a Carolina trades up? What if the Raiders trade up? I mean, you could see 
at least two, maybe three quarterbacks go before the Colts pick at four. So if, in some order, it goes Stroud, Bryce Young, and Will Levis, are you good with Anthony Richardson at four? I, I don't think anyone has viewed all four quarterbacks as worthy as the first four picks. I mean, I, I, I think... If Ste- I think Steichen gives you a little bit of flexibility. I, I really do. But, that, you know, that would be partially for him to decide on what he likes. But um, I, I wouldn't be willing to give up. I'll put it to you this way. If the Colts did the trade that we're talking about, I'm not saying it would be terrible to move up to number one and get – but then next year we're sitting here and we're saying, gosh, it be awfully nice to have a first-round pick. They could really use a receiver. They could really use this. They don't have the first rounder. They gave it up to move up three spots. Uh, you know, That's why quarterback means so much, though. To me, that's why it's the most important position in sports. I don't think Chiefs fans are – but the Colts had up in arms of what they gave the Colts up had a homes. generational one, and he ended up retiring early because they couldn't build enough around him because they didn't have pieces. You got to have pieces to build as well. Tonight it'll be the Pacers and Bulls. Six thirty. Our coverage begins right here on the fan. That's a seven o'clock tip. It's the final game before the All Star break. Indiana's got Northwestern. That is nine o'clock from Evanston. Pacers, Hoosiers, both get it done tonight. Um one of the two teams from Chicago is gonna win. I think it's gonna be the one that's getting paid. Paid a lot. I guess they're all getting paid now, right? <laughs> The old NILs for the Northwestern that's, basketball team. I can't right. imagine uh, those are pouring in. At, uh, Stop by the Evanston-Sherman Williams when you want to paint your porch. That's probably uh, the NIL deals. Pacers, I saw, I think, one and a half, two and a half point favorite. Again, no DeMar DeRozan. Indiana, a slight underdog against Northwestern tonight. Rick Venturi going to join us tomorrow at 8 o'clock. Give his thoughts on Shane Steichen and this head coach coaching search. Uh, certainly some interesting comments from Rick. I chatted with him. Yesterday. Everybody have a great Wednesday. We'll talk to you.